Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jimmy Cook, there are a few things in my life which I have been more certain about than the following statement I'm going to give. Okay? I mean, this is big territory we're in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I realize that we're starting the show with a massive cliffhanger, right? I can, without question, without hesitation, tell you that the weather outside today is far superior to what it was over the weekend in St. Louis, Missouri. I can tell you that. It was like, it, so it was like 115 degrees there on Friday, which is when I drove over after the show. Yep. When after, well, I mean, and, and let's face it, it could have been 200 degrees. Nothing was going to be more hot for me on Friday than the fact that I got to hold Twiggy. I mean, that carried you through the weekend <laughs> by itself. I would think, regardless Every, of the weather. Everything elements. was a letdown from there. So I, I drove over there, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, like I hope we can wear shorts at the racetrack, you know, whatever else. And then, you know, a cold front or a cloud front or whatever it was moved in, and it hovered spitting rain. Do you know, do you know what Sniglets are? Sniglets were a thing like no. a long time ago. Th- those are words that are not actual words but that should be in the dictionary but aren't. Okay. And I made up my own Sniglet. I'm very proud of this. The Sniglet that I made up is frustrating. F-R-U-S-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G. Frustrating. Okay? It's a verb. Frustrating is when there is just enough precipitation to blur your windshield, but not enough to effectively use your wipers. You know, when it's just like that that mist and you're like, okay, do something or don't. It was like that all weekend in St. Louis. Like the entire weekend at the IndyCar race at Gateway, uh, which a lot of people, is good to see everybody, um, including, by the way, Eric Smith's mother. Er- Eric Smith came up to me. Um, who covers IndyCar, and he said, Jake, you have to say hello to my mom, Rhonda. And I said, well, okay, help me, Rhonda, why? And he said, she loves listening to you on the radio. She enjoyed listening to you and Jimmy last week. I think she enjoyed the Twiggy uh, situation. (laughs) So, Jimmy, you got to say hello to Rhonda. What's up, Rhonda? How are you? So, at any rate, it it was just gray and bleh all weekend in St. Louis, but good race, Uh, Scott Dixon winning. But the big story, of course, over the course of the weekend was – the kickoff of football, and I'm always hesitant, Jimmy, to, and I'll, I'll mention this to Don Fisher when he comes up today at 1230 here in about 30 minutes when we talk about Indiana and Ohio State. I love football season. Who doesn't, right? Oh, yeah. My only hesitation about football season and my only, like, I very reluctantly jump into football season because I am not a fan of cold weather and gray skies and spitting ice and all of that kind of thing. And so my concern always is, with football season, if you welcome it too aggressively, you blink your eyes and before you know it, it's January. And it's like cold <laughs> and gross outside. Right? Like, I love summer. I love it. I love the weather. I love the. I love wearing shorts. I love going to a pool. I love all of it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh man, it's here. Fall is not long enough for one's mind to forget about the cold and the dreariness that is around the corner. Like you're right. It's a good to welcome football back into the homes, but everybody's all excited about, you know, (laughs) college football, uh, bonfires, 
pumpkin spice lattes, whatever you want to throw out there. Do you like there. the pumpkin spice stuff? Are you a fan of the pumpkin spice My wife spice stuff? is. I'm not a big coffee guy to begin with, so okay. no. I, but, but, I, I but, like pumpkin-flavored things, but not pumpkin here's, spice. Here's no. the thing. It, it, you don't have to be a coffee fan anymore to enjoy pumpkin spice. They put it in everything. You go to the, I don't know if you know this or not, sure. but Shell and Speedway are actually doing pumpkin spice premium unleaded. <laughs> coming up here in a month, right? Like everything I actually just got sun. some yesterday. <laughs> pumpkin yeah. spice cupcakes. I got it from Kroger, though. So. Car, car runs <laughs> faster, Eddie. Oh, yeah. yeah. See? Yeah, I'll it's got a nice you. scent in it now. A nice aroma <laughs> coming through that's, the vents. Yeah, that's cool. Have you ever actually, you know, one time... And then I promise we'll get to talking about sports and we'll lay out what we're doing today on a gorgeous Monday. Uh, a couple of years ago, I can't remember what IndyCar event I was going to, but I was driving. I think it was Iowa. And I stopped to get gas. And, you know, we've all done this, right? Where, like, you, you, you're you putting the nozzle back up and then gas spill. Like, like, and it doesn't take a lot, obviously. Spills under your shoe or under your foot. It's It was so strong that I actually took my shoe off Put it and then and then put it outside because I didn't have a, a, another pair of shoes. I, I took off my shoe and then like hanged it, hung it, whatever, out the passenger the rear passenger window and rolled the window all the way up so that the shoe was stuck. But that way, as I was driving, the 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 toe of the shoe was out and the air was drying it off. I, I could not have looked like a bigger idiot <laughs> driving. And keep in mind, I was also driving barefoot, which I think is illegal. I think I don't, I don't. I don't know the regulations on that. I, don't I just know that for certain. Imagine you so. co-opting a shoe for a rally flag that someone's attached. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like inside of their car window. Uh, good Monday to you. My name is Jake Quarry. That is Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison, who is the pumpkin spice latte fuel man, is manning the <laughs> ship for us. Uh, it is a gorgeous day out, and football season is upon us. It is the deadline for the Jonathan Taylor trade. That means tomorrow, actually. So today might be the last day the Colts are really seriously fielding calls we know that six teams have at least sent out a flyer two apparently have casually made offers for jonathan taylor jimmy i'm convinced more and more as we get to this deadline here i i I don't think jonathan taylor is going anywhere and i have nothing to base that on i i'm i want to be clear here that's not me reporting something that i heard that's just sifting through all of the things that you hear, reports, etc. And I just don't think the Colts are going to find something that's to their liking. I feel like they have stood firm in what they mentioned last week, which is first round pick or bust. If you want to send us something that is a first round of value or at least very close to it, we'll send Jonathan Taylor off and you can handle any contract extensions you want to try with him later. We're done with the mess. No one's come close to that, at least from the reports or the rumors that are out there for potential offers. I don't know how much I believe. Let me rephrase that. I don't believe with a grain of salt that the uh, deadline they've imposed is permanent. In the same way that they mentioned that, that. Oh, we're not that. trading him and now we've pivoted to I mean, it's, you can explore an offer. Maybe it provides more clarity again tomorrow with what happens on the pup, but the idea that ah, if you don't have a deal by tomorrow, we're not moving you. Yeah, you would think that if Jalen Hurts and three first-rounders are offered in six <laughs> weeks, they're going to find a way to get that yeah, done, right? Yeah, I think right? so, yeah. At least consider it anyway. Maybe not Jalen Hurts, I guess. They have Anthony Richardson, but you get my yeah. point. Um, I'm the king of bad analogies. I know this, but I'm going to give you one, okay? Jimmy, what's your what's your dream car? Right now, if you won the Powerball and you could go out and you could buy a car, what would you buy? Buy a Lamborghini. Lamborghini, okay. So, all of a sudden, you get wind of the fact that there's a guy in your name. What's the going rate for a Lamborghini? I have no idea. 
for a, for a three for a 2019 Lamborghini, what do you think the going rate is? I, I would say north of 250,000. I don't know how much though. Okay, so let's say that there's a guy you're, you're sitting there and you got you win you got some extra money on you, right? And you're looking around and you see there's an ad a guy has out on Lamborghini.com. And he's like, I have a Lamborghini for sale with 30,000 miles. You're laughing. $231,000 on car gurus for used 2019. There you go. Okay, now we're, now we're there. Now we're okay. there. So let's say that all of a sudden you log in tomorrow and that exact same car is 110 grand. You're like, whoa, it's a $230,000 car and I can get it for 110 grand. It's got 20,000 miles on it, right? But here's the thing. You call the guy up and you say, why are you selling this car? And he says, wife doesn't like it. I don't like the color. You go, okay. But then you start talking around to the neighbors and they go, well, you know, like the last six months when he drives that thing home, it, it, it's, it makes a really loud and it, like, it, it, like a coughing noise, like the, something's wrong with the throttle or something. It just sounds weird. So you say to the guy, look, people are telling me that for whatever reason, this Lamborghini, the last few times you've had it out, doesn't run as well as it, as it should. So I just want to be able to take it to the mechanic. And he goes, nope. No, you got you to buy it now. I, you, I can't have you go take it to the mechanic. You just got to trust me. You got to trust me that it's going to run just fine. Well, that's Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a Lamborghini running back. There's no question about it. Yeah. No one disputes that he's a Lamborghini running back. But I also should mention you're getting ready to buy this Lamborghini in December when you know that like the weather's not great. It's not very practical at all. It's not as practical as it would be if you had it in Miami. But Jonathan Taylor is a great player. He is a Lamborghini. There is no doubt about it. But he's not overly practical in today's NFL. You know that the last time you saw him playing, he had an ankle injury. He now supposedly has a back injury, but if you're going to make a trade for him right now, you're going to do it before he's back on the football field and you can take it to the mechanic or give it a test run. So would you buy that Lamborghini? That's the question that other NFL teams have to look at with Jonathan Taylor. He is a guy that you know how good he he is and has been. But is he still? And that's the question. I think... I truly do believe, I, I really do wonder, if Taylor was totally healthy, would he? Would this conversation be taking place? Because of twofold is why I ask. Number one being, if he was totally healthy, would the Colts find him to be expendable? And even if he, I, I, have, I realize he requested the trade, but I think a lot of that is based on the way they handled his injury. But then secondly, if he was totally healthy and didn't have injury issue, even though the running back is devalued, would they have more offers for him? And therefore, if in fact they decided they wanted to get rid of him, would he be gone already? I think if he was fully healthy, that there'd be less hesitancy from the offers. But I think that if he was fully healthy and last year was just a blip, because there's a lot you can point to. I'll build off your analogy a little bit. You've seen the meme where it's like a shot of a trailer park, but the Lambo's underneath like this makeshift garage. If you're a team that's training for him, maybe you're thinking, well, it's not his fault. Look at the conditions that he's surrounding or that are surrounding him. I want to move him to my side of the ledger and we'll be able to build around him better and things will be sharper because our offensive line is stronger and whatever, whatever reasons you want to list out for why you think you can fix him. But if he was fully healthy and he was negotiating for a contract, I think the Colts would look internally and realize, well, our offensive line wasn't that great. There's nothing we could do to take pressure off Jonathan Taylor a year ago. 
assuming the offense is just as bad with him being fully healthy, let's go ahead and try to get an extension nailed down because there's no longer this narrative around him with injury concerns because he had a fully healthy campaign last year. So not only do I think, yes, teams would be knocking at the door more, I think that assuming the extension is a reasonable three years, 13 or $14 million conversation, it would have been more likely to happen this offseason if he didn't have the ankle injury last year. Now, I'd like to know, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like to know how your weekend was, Jimmy. I'm assuming good because you're still wearing another name shirt. It is was. That, were you wearing that on Saturday? I, I, I was not. Um, I ca- I purchased this on Wednesday. I usually am better on that about buying the shirt, you know, from the uh, Notre Dame Alumni Association. They like to, you know, sponsor clubs and whatnot. So my dad always bought us the shirt. So I bought one and it arrived on the doorstep. Now, did your dad go to Notre Dame? Uh, he did not. My great grandfather did, but gotcha. my okay. dad did not. Uh, my dad went to Butler. But, um, once it arrived on Friday, I was expecting it like a week or two from now. I knew you were going to be in here. You'd appreciate the shirt, so I, I, I brought it in, and I, I thought you'd thought you'd like it. Weekend was good, though. It was it was uh, spent with a lot of football and soccer play by play. Had a fantasy draft. Watched plenty of week zero college football. Spent some time by the pool. It was good. Good time. I, I don't understand the week zero thing. It's opening week. Just say that, right? I'm just I'm just following what what the branding says. I, I I'm know, a brand I, guy, <laughs> but I don't understand if it's week zero. That means it's it's it doesn't count. It's nothing. Right? I've always interpreted. Do I sound like Mark Boyle here? This uh, is something Mark Boyle I could see getting <laughs> transfixed on. If we were looking at why it's called week zero, in my mind, it's because traditionally speaking, most of the big name schools are not playing on week zero. Like I can't point the last time Notre Dame opened on a week zero. The USC playing on a week zero like oftentimes they don't go till the following week or thursday night's chick-fil-a showdown whatever but, it is but, but here's what i don't understand why can't both have week one notre dame's week one is august 27th or whatever it was and ohio state's week one is september 4th september 3rd whatever it is september 2nd i think from a team standpoint they do all operate underneath that umbrella of it's our week one right right but week zero is just meant now because be, college game doesn't travel like they, they didn't do a road show last week they did it or on saturday they did it uh, from bristol i think that's also part of it does i saw only bits and pieces because i was enjoying like a nine hour rain delay in gateway in st louis and so it was on in the media center so i could kind of see it as i was walking you know doing different things did notre dame look like totally dialed in outstanding did navy look completely off the mark or both combination of both sam hartman looked every bit as the best transfer on the market as he was advertised going into this past offseason i was very impressed with a plethora of kind of spreading it around from a touchdown standpoint for receivers something that wasn't the case a year ago and i'm not saying they can't stumble and trip up in their last couple tune-up games before ohio state but this was the type of statement opener that i wanted out of marcus freeman because I don't know if it's loser's mentality or if it's just waiting for the sky to fall. There's still paranoia around Notre Dame as a fan of, oh, here we go. It's Marshall coming into town and they're going to stumble and trip up. There was no sense of that happening in Dublin on Saturday. Fair. Um, By the way, you were talking about when we were talking about the Lamborghini. When I was a kid, I had a paper out. um, And there was a guy in my neighborhood who in his driveway, there was a car under a tarp for my like my entire childhood. Can you imagine the fascination, like when you're a kid, right? Like what's what's under under the tarp, tarp, right? (laughs) It was like this mystery forever. What's under the tarp? And there were all and there were rumors galore, but it was like, it's hard to explain, but you know, 
theoretically, you could have just gone up and looked under the tarp, except for that it was like um, something out of a cartoon where you were, you know, there were like rumors about the old man in the house and he was, you know, whatever. Come down and chase you if you try to get close to the tarp. And sure. then the, the, the tarp was like, because it was literally, I'm not kidding you when I tell you, for like a decade, it sat there. The tarp was like, I don't know how to, like tethered to the ground. So you couldn't really go and lift it. And finally, one day, uh, the 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 kooky guy de- declared that he was going to unveil the tarp. He was going to finally show everybody what was under the tarp. So he was and, aware of the commotion at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And you know, it was a big neighborhood buzz, and everybody's excited, and kids are packing lunch boxes and and fruit boxes or you know fruit juice boxes, whatever. And we all go down there for the big unveiling, and then voila, he he unveils it, uh, his '73 Nova from when he was in high school, <laughs> literally his high school car, the Chevy Nova, which did not sell. The Chevy Nova eventually went basically went out of business because Nova in Spanish means no go, which is not good for a car. Was anybody close? No, everybody thought there were like rumors, you know. Oh, he's got a you know, a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari or Grand Torino or something. A Grand Torino, yeah. And it was literally like a, a, the only the chassis of like a <laughs> 75 Nova. It was the hunk of junk. And I was like, that, that's it? Could it still run or would he just have it as a uh, keepsake? Was, Nova means no go, so I would assume <laughs> not, right? Maybe he, maybe he needed some uh, pumpkin spice latte gasoline in Man, it to get it fired up. If you could up, have that back know. then, that would have been... Um, Something. So Notre Dame getting the big win on Saturday. Indiana starting against Ohio State coming up this weekend. Now that is week one, or is that Indiana's week zero? <laughs> it might. It might still be Indiana's week zero, right? Week one officially arrives in my mind. This is what I'm going with my final answer. When college game day is on the road, college game day is on the road. I don't know where they're at, but they are on the road on Saturday. That is week one across the land for teams that didn't already have a week one during week zero. It's all very simple. Okay. So what about this? <laughs> Clemson kicks off Monday night against Duke on ESPN or ABC or one of them. So, is that week one? Or are they the first game of week two? It's it's their first game. Which is it? It is their week one. It's a continuation of week one. Well, why is it their week one? <laughs> if it's their first game, why did they? Why is it week one? But it's if that's the case, then why wasn't Notre Dame last week their week one? Right? See? Same thing, right? Yes. I'm looking at week one college football. We're going to do this by... See what, see what Google says. Okay. See what rabbit hole this takes us down. All right, so that is a Monday game. Trying to see if it's... Hmm. That should be the first game of week there two, it is. right? It is, it is listed as still a part of week one. I have a problem with that. That doesn't seem applicable. Week When, when does the week end? Fun fact. Guess what's also grouped into week one? This is my top 25 games on Google. All the games just happened uh, on Saturday are grouped into week one. Google does not account for week zero. Yeah. It's all week one. Well, Google's all-knowing. Correct. Of course. Exactly. If Google says it, but, then it's factual. But I do have issue with Google listing the Clemson game as week one. If, in fact, it's on Monday, that technically is the start of week two, right? I feel like then you would also be upset about this past weekend's games being listed as week one and not owning the week well, zero that's what title I mean. we've it's given It's an inconsistency. <laughs> I, will ad- I will admit my own inconsistency there, right? Here's, here's a look at it. Monday Night Football is not the start of week two. It's the final games of week one. College football is just borrowing from that, even though we're used to it happening on a Saturday. Who is the first Monday night game? Isn't it usually? It's got to be. Uh, it's usually the Super Bowl winner and then a conference finalist. You're talking about Monday night before, football right? this year, opening yeah, yeah. Monday night football. Bills Jets. Is it a double header? Is it just nine eleven game? I did. Know is that. it double header or just that? Uh, I believe it's a double header. I'll double check on that. Okay. I know Bills Jets for sure. 
I, okay. I actually I did know that that it's Bills and Jets. Um, Don Fisher going to join us in about ten minutes from now. George Bremer from the Anderson. I always figured if it's the Herald Bulletin or the Bulletin Herald, but the newspaper in Anderson. Uh, George, a Colts writer, will join us at two o'clock today as the deadline for the roster, Jonathan Taylor, etc., all happens. Four o'clock tomorrow, we will officially know the fifty-three man roster at least as it stands at four o'clock tomorrow. Now, Jimmy, there are going to be. And Mike Chappell mentions this every year, and he is totally accurate. There are going to be, I don't know, two to four players that are literally going to be like, oh my gosh, the dream is reality. I made an NFL roster. And they're going to call home. Mom, I made the roster. Dad, I made the roster. Call the high school to start printing the jerseys. I'm an Indianapolis Colt. They called me in. Actually, they didn't call me in. I didn't get the call to bring my playbook. Four o'clock came, and here I am, Mom, calling you at 401. And then at 10 after 4, they're going to get a notification on their Twitter. Indianapolis Colts have signed off waiver wires, tied in such and such, and as a result are waving so and so. That's going to happen. So the roster, there are going to be players that make the final roster that then there are going to be changes at the last minute to said roster. Um, The other question that comes up frequently this time of year, and it does get confusing, is released versus waived. Now, Jimmy, I had to look this one up, and I always forget which one is which, but it has to do with tenure. If you are outright released, it means that you are a a vetted veteran, or, or, or excuse me, a vested veteran that has like I think it's either three or five years of tenure. And so therefore... Free to sign with anybody. Correct. You are sent out into the wild and it is up to you. If you are waived, it means you go onto the waiver wire and you are not allowed to then pick your destination until every team has had the cho- the chance right, you to clear sign waivers. You. Right. Correct. Yep. Okay. A player who has less than four years of service four. time is waived. Okay. So... You know, I, it, it's kind of like the draft. I have always felt with the NFL draft probably more the NBA actually this is more applicable in the NBA draft in the NBA draft if, if you're sitting there and you are getting up into the high 50s and you're like okay I'm a second rounder at this point I've always felt like Jimmy it might be in your better interest Trace Jackson Davis got drafted into a great situation with the Warriors right yeah but that's rare I mean a lot of times teams are just taking you because you're like best player on the board and I've always felt like you get to a certain point where you may be better off not getting drafted so that then you have the choice to sign with a franchise that best suits what you, you know, best has a need for what you do. And so the same thing for an NFL player, you know, when you are waived, there's the obviously a team picking you up would be picking you up because they have a need at that position. But still, I think most guys would prefer to be able to pick and choose where it is that they go. But um, but that will be taking place tomorrow. And, you know, Kevin Bowen, for example, has his predictions on the roster right now. I know that there are several, you know, Stephen Holder has done the same. I, I think the the position probably of the most question, we talked about it on Friday, Jimmy. I feel like tight end has probably the most depth. And so, therefore, it feels like, like somebody's going to get released from tight end that at some point looked like they were going to make the roster. You know what I mean? Like They showed some things, but they just have a lot of them. 
And then at receiver, I think it's fascinating to see what they do in terms of like the final receiver spot because you've got three of them that are that you're pretty clear what they can bring to the table. But you know, do they go with say at that last receiver spot? Do they take an Amari Rogers just because he can do returns and do some special team stuff? You know, at some point you start taking players, not necessarily because there's any one thing they do that's outstanding, but because of the fact that they can do a lot of different things and be a Swiss Army knife for you, or maybe more than one thing. Especially if you're a player that's still trying to break through the mold and find your first real NFL home or opportunity. The way that you continue to find homes, regardless of the position, is being able to be a valuable contributor on special teams. You look at cutdown day and you view it as a time where, okay, where's the real separation between these final guys at the back end of the 53? We have a pretty comfortable look at you know the first 40, 45 guys, but these final eight spots what's the difference between them? And if it's not veteran presence or if it's not, well, this could be something that we could develop into maybe a special contributor moving forward. Where do we place them in the meantime? It has to be special teams contribution. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's half the battle in a lot of these situations. You look at a guy like Kenyon Drake, who was waived on Saturday. That surprised me, actually. I, 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 w- I was very surprised by it as well, because when he was brought in, it looked like, okay, this is a, a veteran stopgap piece potentially or at least another valuable piece to this committee I think he averaged like what two maybe short of two and a half yards per carry in his preseason opportunities but the main knock on him at least from a couple of different places that did pieces on why the cutdowns have happened the way they have so far is not a special teams guy at this point in his career at least you would think that he's not a special teams guy otherwise maybe you'd want to hang on to him for a little bit longer you know when I say it surprised me Jimmy to your point I don't know that the that the release of Kenyon Drake surprised me as much today as as what I mean by that of on the day that he was brought in it if you would have told me then that he was not going to make the final roster that would have surprised yeah. me at that time right because you thought he was being brought in especially once you had injury and the Taylor situation you thought okay that this is why but again that shows the fungible nature of the position Evan Hull's preseason I think helped correct put to bed a little bit for the Colts of do we need to have Kenyon Drake a part of this roster week one or not you know is Kenyon Drake the only guy that you can think of that is named for two different colleges yes off the top of my head yes that's all I got there have to be others right somewhere but you know that's the and Jimmy here's the thing that hit me right then see (laughs) that's the kind of stuff don't you think to yourself not know where did that come from that hit me right then Uh, I I knew somebody that went to Kenyon College and then there's Drake University now I don't know if Kenyon College is D1 though that's got to be like a D2 school right it's in Ohio this is the first that I'm learning of Kenyon College, by the really? way. I trusted you that those were both universities. I knew about Ed, Drake, are you familiar with Kenyon but I was College? not aware of Kenyon College. Is it Kenyon College or Kenyon University, I wonder? Both are answers I can't help you with outside of a Google search. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it's in Kenyon, Ohio. Is there any, can we get yes. somebody to send me a Kenyon, tweet and Kenyon College, Gambier, Ohio. What, what, it's not in Kenyon, Ohio? Ga- uh, Gambier, G-A-M-B-I-E-R. It's the oldest private institution of higher education in the state of Ohio. Yeah, see, there, you, and, and I'm telling you, you can't swing a dead cat in Ohio without hitting a private institution, so that's saying <laughs> something, right? Like, literally, Ohio is nothing but private institutions. Every, like, there's 10,000 schools in the state of Ohio. One of the biggest in the, in the state of Ohio. As a matter of fact, they call it the Ohio State University. You might have heard that before. Going to be taking on Indiana, and the guy that will be on the mic for that is Don Fisher. He joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Catch up with Don Fisher in just a second here. In the meantime, uh, Jimmy Cook is now the foremost expert on Kenyon College, right? <laughs> you did your research. Yep. Got a minor in it during the break. Now, now will you please... Jimmy, for the sake of the listening audience, will you at least give me some minor props there on and, and illuminate for people the small little bit of trivia that we determined during the break? In the Wikipedia page, they list that a U.S. president has ties to Kenyon College, and Jake, very excited, wanted to guess the president. I was like, okay, yeah, but how knowledgeable are you on him? He's like, you're about to find out. How many guesses do I get? I'll give you four. Jake just needed one. Out of the gate, grand slam to left. Very impressive. Rutherford B. Hayes is the president that ties the way. Now, I, don't, I will tell you this. I will admit to not knowing what the B stands for in Rutherford B. Hayes, but I'm going to guess. We'll each get one guess. What is your guess for the B in Rutherford B. Hayes? I'm I can't gonna, play Eddie. Has I'm going to go with Don can. I'm going to go it. with Birch. Eddie? Excuse me? I was going to let Eddie guess. I don't, oh, I've I already seen said, it. I thought I, you said Betty. No, no, oh, you already no, saw I've it. already okay. seen it. I have it in front of me. Eddie Garrison, do you have a guess for the B in Rutherford B. Hayes? Uh, no, I don't. What, what if it was Bob? <laughs> Rutherford Bob Why should it just be B? Huh? Why should it just be B and not stand for anything? Well, that's back, Harry S. Truman. Yeah. Because back in the day, I mean, middle names were not common. I'm going with Birch. I'm going with B. Okay. Just B. That's it. Just let Is it Is it really? Yes. No, no. I was, I was asked clarifying. Okay. Correct. Birchard. Oh. Birchard. Uh, come I'll on. Give you, I'll give you the point. Uh, come on. I, honestly, I had to, uh, clearly, I had to have at some point in my lifetime read that, and that's where that came There's from. a rabbit hole somewhere that yeah, happened for that. For sure. Little nugget. Uh, Don Fisher set to join us here in a couple of minutes, Indiana and Ohio State. I, I'll tell you what, when you talk about that game, Jimmy, for Indiana's standpoint, that's obviously you're coming right out of the box. You know that Ohio State's always going to be the most daunting part of your schedule, but. I, you know, for Indiana, it's a big one because are they going to beat Ohio State? I mean, you know, let's be real. But Indiana's schedule is – have you looked at their schedule? Not aggressively, no. Outside of the opener because that's as far as I'll let my – I mean, you get them – you get Ohio State and then <laughs> Indiana State after that, okay? And then Louisville here in Indy, followed by Akron. And then after that, at Maryland, probably pretty winnable. winnable. But at Michigan – Rutgers at home, at Penn State, Wisconsin, at Illinois, Michigan State, and at Purdue. What I always want to see out of IU football each and every year, yes, of course, I'd like to see them rise to the ranks and continue to win every game, but it's your counter to six wins. Where do you get those six wins on the schedule? Okay, so great point. So let's do it right now. You ready? I'm sure. just going to give you the game. You give me yes or no. Just just win or loss. Just immediate reaction. Ohio State. No. Indiana State. Yes. Louisville. Yes. Okay. Akron. Yes. Halfway there. Halfway there. At Maryland. 
No. At Michigan? No. Rutgers at home? Yes. Okay. At Penn State? No. Wisconsin at home? No. At Illinois? Yes. One left at Michigan State. I'm sorry, no, Michigan State at home. Michigan State at home. No. At Purdue. Yes. Woo! Hoosiers go in and get a bucket and a bid. How about that? Now, you ready for this? Sure. I'm going to stand by this. I'm going to predict it right now on this, the Monday of week one of this show, because last week was week zero, okay? Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers, they've knocked on this door. They've flirted with it. The Indiana Hoosiers on October 14th are going to send the college football world into a total tizzy when they go into the big house and stun the undefeated Michigan Wolverines. I'm telling you right now, Indiana may not be any good this year, but Indiana on October 14th, on October 15th, we're going to be doing the show. (laughs) Who do the Colts play on October the 15th? The Jaguars on the road. Okay. Most people would think that we would be opening the show on October the 16th talking about the Colts taking on Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, and the hostile environment of Jacksonville. You said it's on the road? It's in Michigan. Sorry, for the Colts, yeah, it's at Jacksonville. You would think we'd be talking about that game. But not off the get-go. Because on October 16th, we're going to open the show talking about how the college football world has been sent upside down by the Indiana fighting Hurrying Hoosiers who are going to go to Michigan and stun Michigan. They may not win four games this year, but they will win at Michigan. I'm telling you right now. Eddie, cut it, mark it, leave it for the celebration party on the 16th. I already got it. So... I get it that teams can improve and improve as the season goes on. So these aren't mutually exclusive. Like, for instance, my knee jerk reaction. Don't sleep on the Hoosiers, baby. Michigan's going to sleep on the Hoosiers, Jimmy. (laughs) They're going to say to themselves, bye week. Jim Harbaugh is going to be going, getting new Dockers. He's going to be like, Indiana's coming here. We're good. They're going to lose something on special teams. It'll be a blocked punt. I don't know when the first, like, college football playoff rankings come out, but they're going to be glued to that. And they're like, here we are. They've got a slotted number two right now. We should be one. They're going to be all up, upset and up in arms. Ohio State's going to be right there. There. Notre Dame's going to be trying to avenge their earlier loss to Ohio State and get back into the to the mix with things. I think Clemson and Notre Dame's like three years or three weeks after that. Everybody's going to be talking about all that stuff going into Indiana, Michigan, and then the storyline coast to coast from Canada, Mexico, is the fact that the Indiana Hoosiers went in and stunned in the Big House. Have you ever been to the Big House? I've never been to the Big House. Quietest one hundred and eight thousand people in the history of mankind. <laughs> Average age eighty four in the in the lower seats of the Big House. But all of them are going to be stunned because and they're actually you know what the replay of the game. The Indiana-Michigan game, the, the replay, replay of it, the Big Ten oh, replay man. is going to do better ratings because people are going to watch it a second time because <laughs> they're not going to believe what they saw the first time around. The Indiana fighting Hoosiers going in and stunning the world at the big house. 
Clip this off especially for me because you'll have made my wife's year if that's the case. I'm telling you right now. Hey, Jake, Uh I'm an IU fan, but how many Little Kings did you have this morning? No, I'm just telling you. Jake, you were in Missouri, right? Yeah, I was in. I slept, yes, but the tracks in Illinois. But yes, okay. So we okay. I'm just making sure because you were in a legalized state. <laughs> so I just want to make sure you're you didn't carry any Illinois. Of your, Illinois, I believe, is a legalized state. Right? They are legal too. And I have nothing against that, but that I, I do not actually partake. Which just want to make sure it's their own. Just but I, I'm sure. just I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. Mark my words. Now, people tell me all the time, because I have, I have been on record of saying that Indiana is the losingest college football program in the history of college football, and they sell things like a big rock and a big flagpole, and like, look, we, we closed the- Win today! They, they do all those things and whatever else, and then they go out there and everybody gets excited. I mean, I, listen, I'm old enough to remember when Indiana would start 4-0 and everybody gets excited, and then all of a sudden, like, reality kicks in, and boom, they finish 4-8. and Every year. It was like clockwork, right? When I was a student at IU, I was the one guy that had season tickets for football and went to games. I went to every game, sat there, watched them, the, you name it. Start the, to finish? The long, the, yes. Like I was, uh, that wasn't a thing when I was there. I was a huge Indiana fan in football growing up. My friend Andy Burt's dad was on, or actually grandfather, was one of the trustees. And so we he had season tickets and we would go to games when I was like in third grade. Steve Bradley and Dwayne Gunn and, you know, moving up into the, the Van Waders and Anthony Thompson era, obviously. I mean, I, I loved Indiana football. I'm realistic about Indiana football, and I've never been more realistic than anything of the reality that Indiana's going to beat Michigan. What I love about this is it's done with the confidence of like the rest of us not knowing who the starting quarterback, let alone the starting matter. kicker, doesn't is going matter. to be. Michigan doesn't know who it's one. going to be. You're right, they don't. Michigan, doesn't, Michigan has yet to know which quarterback it is that's going to hand them their first loss of the year. I'm telling you, laugh all you want. Indiana is going to stun Michigan. Mark my words. I've never been more sure about anything in my life. I understand both these things are not mutually exclusive, but that type of proclamation would lead me to believe that the answer to our question of what does this Saturday hold, that they're not going to get embarrassed. But I know they're not mutually exclusive, but one would tend to think if they're going to beat Michigan that they're going to be a good enough football team and not get embarrassed by Ohio State. Jimmy, This is a one-off. This is just a... Listen. Here's what will happen, in all honesty, against Ohio State. Yeah. Indiana will hang around with Ohio State for two and a half quarters. And then the depth of Ohio State, what you don't realize with an Ohio State or a Clemson, and to this point becoming a, you know Notre Dame, I think, is getting into this category. It takes a while to develop this. But the big power fives, Alabama is a prime example. You don't realize it, but intermittently throughout the game, they're rotating guys in. That are all you know. They go four and five stars, two, two, three deep, right? Yeah. So by the time you get midway through the third quarter, you have a fresher team because guys have not been playing every single play. Like you have Indiana's depth, just just or lack thereof, just shows up, right? Yeah. And so Indiana will hang around with Ohio State for like two and a half quarters. I mean, in all honesty, and then Ohio State will start to pull away through the third, and then in the fourth really cement it. Not going to happen at Michigan, but that's what's going to happen with Indiana against Ohio State. Uh, Daryl joins us on the program. Daryl, what's up? 
Jake, I just want to make sure you're not having some type of medical episode right there with that last comment. Daryl, I'm telling you. The paramedics have been notified. It's okay, Daryl. I've had Thank medical you. episodes, Daryl. Believe you me. And during my medical episodes, I did talk football. But I was not as confident with what we were talking about during that medical episode as I am right now. Indiana's going to stun Michigan. All right, Jake. If, if Indiana wins, I'll donate $100 to your favorite charity. And in Michigan, when you donate a hundred dollars to the Cancer Society, now what's the? I would obviously have no problem donating one hundred dollars to the Cancer Society, Daryl. Um, I don't know if I should be making official wagers on the air. I don't know the legalities of that. Although I do like where you're going with it. I'll tell you what. The we here's the thing, Daryl. When Indiana beats Michigan or vice versa, call the show and we will definitely make arrangements to help somebody out. How's that? I think IU has a better chance of beating Ohio State than they do Michigan. Really? Is but it, do you think that's because it's opening week? Kidding aside, is that because you think it's opening week? I just think Ohio State doesn't have as much talent as Michigan does this year. I mean, Michigan's one one of the picks to win the national championship this year. Well, and they have a very good chance to do so until they get knocked out of the playoffs when Indiana goes up and stuns them. Uh, it's going to be a rough day. Again, there, did you get some bad food in, <laughs> over the weekend or something? Daryl, I'm telling you. Darryl, who, who is your team, Daryl? You're a fan of what school? Michigan State. Okay, so so you're not even a Michigan – so you would be thrilled if Indiana does this, right? <laughs> Well, I would be happy, but I'm more of a realistic kind of guy than, you know, I don't live in a dream world or a fantasy. Did you have a Saquon Barkley epiphany this weekend? Like, what happened? I'm telling you, Daryl, my whole career, Daryl, people have accused me of being an Indiana hater. So being being accused now of this is beautiful. (laughs) But I'm telling you, if you really look at it, though, Indiana – is the one team now? Now Lee Corso, I think it was against Michigan where Lee Corso took the photo of the scoreboard after the first quarter. I think I could be wrong. State was Ohio State. Okay. Yep. Um, I know what it was. Indiana was going to beat Michigan before Anthony Carter bailed him out when when Corso was there as well. Michigan got a, a play at the end to beat him. But I'm telling you, Daryl, and I appreciate the call and go Spartans. Actually, during my medical episode, the guy, the doctor that I was talking football with, is a Michigan State Spartan. So go Spartans. But obviously, I'm being a little bit flippant. But Indiana is the one team that, for whatever reason, just has played Michigan well. Let me rephrase that. Michigan's the one team that one would expect Indiana would have no chance against where Indiana has showed themselves fairly competently. Sure. So this year, I'm telling you, Indiana is going to stun the world. Like Dewey defeats Truman – Indiana, Michigan, like that level of stuff. That line is going to be magical, by the way. Like, I might, I don't know if I'll go, I'm not definitely not going to go as far as to put money line, but they're 30 point dogs against Ohio State. Like, okay. what that could potentially be on October 14th. I tried to look. There's some matchups that are all the way into October on wherever sports push you look at. I could not find an IU Michigan line. So I'll get that to you when I have it. But minus 30 to Ohio State for week one. Now, I don't think Coop wants to talk about this, but I'm going to take him anyway. But before we get to Coop, the reason you're calling, tell me this. Are you going to be stunned when Indiana goes to Michigan and beats them? Um, no, Jake. I have full confidence in you. <laughs> Hell yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. I love that. Coop, your your team is who? You root for who in football? Uh, I live in Cincinnati, so I'm a UC guy. But, um, yeah. 
they're gonna it's gonna be a rough year. I, think, I was gonna say, that. are they gonna be any good? You know, the other thing that, that's interesting about UC, uh, I don't know when this came to be, but UC, I don't know if they still do, but in the last couple of years, UC offered reciprocity of in-state tuition for Marion and the Donut Counties here in Central Indiana, and like. I mean, I'm of the age now where my friends have kids that are going off to college for the first time, and the number of them that go to University of Cincinnati is amazing. Like, literally, I probably know more people whose kids go to UC than I know whose kids go to, like, Butler or Ball State, for what it's worth. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, Thanks for that. That's a fun little fact. It is. I I can appreciate that. Uh, All right, so so what's on your mind? So a couple weeks ago, I went to a uh, a football game here in – Cincinnati high school football game. Moeller was paying, playing Ben Davis. I took my 10-year-old son. He really likes football. So um, we're at halftime. I'm standing out by the um, out by the concession stand, and I just start striking up a conversation. I'm kind of like you, Jake. I like to you know chat it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. And I'm having a conversation with this gentleman, and, and man, his voice sounded so familiar. I know this guy from somewhere. And I said, sir, I said, um, your voice sounds so familiar. He started laughing. He said, well, Brian, and I introduced myself by that. And he said, well, Brian, I am the radio voice of the Indianapolis 500. My name's Mark James. And I was like, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things ever. And so, he is such, he's such a nice guy, man. He was a really nice guy. I really enjoyed meeting him and just talked for a little bit. Oh, he's the best. Teacher at Monrovia, coach at Monrovia. He's a huge football guy, huge high school football guy because he was the defensive coordinator at Monrovia and then became the head coach at Monrovia. Um, And, you know, it's so funny. In those days, and I don't know whether to call you Brian or Coop, but I'm going to stick with Coop because that's what Eddie put in the uh, screener here. Um, In those days, like when he was coaching, he would coach on Friday and then fly to wherever we were on the weekend. And so we would be sitting in the satellite truck back when we had a truck for radio and, you know, we'd be getting ready to go out and do practice for IndyCar or whatever. And, you know, Mark would be like, yeah, you know, yesterday tough. We, we, we took on North Putt or whatever it was. And I remember they, they made a run all the way to, the, to Lucas Oil Stadium and Rovia did when he was coaching. Um, great fun and a great dude. No question about it. Great dude. Oh, and yeah, yeah real, I guess his, his son's on the Ben Davis staff. Correct. And, uh, not that my opinion matters. I don't know if anybody can beat them. They look really good. I, I've really heard good. that. Now, now, you know who um, my understanding is, and this is what's interesting about Ben Davis being that good. Ben Davis going into Thanksgiving is going to be undefeated, and then the Indiana Hoosiers are actually going to beat them and stun the world three weeks after they did the same against Michigan. And, yes, Evan Janes is, I believe, the D coordinator at Ben Davis. Uh, George Brimmer, by the way, Colts beat writer. Colts uh, deadline 4 o'clock tomorrow in terms of the roster. George is going to join us just over an hour from now. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. 
Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Fairly impromptu, kudos to Eddie Garrison for manning the controls and lighting up Stephen Holder, who's going to join us here at the top of the hour. Taking a look at, do you still call it Twitter, or is it X now? I do. Until the URL changes, I will continue to call it Twitter. Though apparently the app has been renamed to X and the branding's X, but still Twitter.com. Okay. Allow me to ask this question. Although okay. the web web address X.com does... There's a redirect. It redirect will take you, you to Twitter.com. To, yeah. Yes. That sounds like you're kidding. Yes, I, yeah, I know. Uh, you guys have the, you have the Twitter app, right? Or the X app, yeah. right? Yeah. Here's a really weird observation, and I'm, I, I can't figure out if it's just me, which is entirely well, possible. Well, you've picked IU to upset Michigan in a game no, no, two no, months no, from no, now, no, so it I could possibly I be... I didn't pick anything. I'm, I'm telling you. Sorry, you're right. No, it was a declarative statement. I apologize. I didn't if mean to you, mislead the audience. If you look at the X app, is the is it just mine no, or No, it looks is, like someone threw a rock at it. Okay, so it, it is supposed to look like... Is it marble or is it supposed to look like just a crumbled... The, the black is like... Like has a crease in it or is faded. I think it's a deeper concept piece about how the app is crumbling within itself because of decisions that have happened, and so it's just kind of owning that you. title. I think it's like it's a it's a Banksy. I bet, bet you and I could have a whole conversation about the backwards <laughs> meetings of Shawshank Redemption too, right? <laughs> Impressive, uh, Matthew on X Twitter, whatever it's called. Uh, Jimmy, you just got scammed by Query. Just to clue you in, he records Jeopardy and replays it with company, acting like he knows this crap. He always says, I'll guess, but he already knows. Not true. Now, I will confess to this, as I have done so on the radio previously. That would be the most Jake Query thing, too. No, no, no. I would not do that. Here's what I did do. When I was a freshman at college at the University of Kansas, I did not have many skill sets, but this was one. Going to col- or going to class, not a skill set, right? But when you live in Lawrence, Kansas, you get television markets from both Topeka and Kansas City. Jeopardy would come on the Topeka station at like four o'clock. And then that same episode would air on the Kansas City station at like seven. So while all of my classmates were in class at four o'clock, I would watch Jeopardy. Sure. They were completely unaware of the fact that it was on the Topeka station at four o'clock. And then at seven o'clock when we would watch Jeopardy, they were like, holy cow. No wonder why you never go to class. You don't have to. You are a genius. <laughs> I was like Ken Jennings before Ken Jennings, except for the fact that it was I was watching it three hours after I had previously watched an episode. I'm that em- is a fact. I'm embarrassed to admit that it was only five years ago when I realized that Jeopardy itself, I knew it was in syndication, but I figured it operated like sporting events do. And, and it was taped, but like in terms of time zones, if it airs at seven for me, it's six o'clock at Chicago. Right, it's right. all concurrent. It's not like multiple windows. And then we live in Chicago for a year and it's on at four. And I'm like. What is this? What are we doing? I mean, I knew it was tape, but I didn't realize they were just hey, plopping it in different markets at random times. You know, Jimmy, in all honesty, the, one of the weirdest things about when I was a kid, and I've, I've said this many times before, I always thought that people on the West Coast just had like an elitist, you know, stuck up nature about them because it was like they don't care about anything that goes on elsewhere. They're just so wrapped in their own world. And then when you go to the West Coast, you realize it's not that as much as you go and do whatever and you get home from work and you you go get dinner at seven o'clock and it's 10 o'clock on the east coast and everything's done. all those sporting events are done yeah you know what i mean like the, i mean you're watching a, a celtics game it's four o'clock in los angeles people are still at work so it's like out of sight out of mind you're just compl- that's why I, I that's why sports doesn't have the level i don't think of west coast 
fanaticism outside of their own time zone like they do for others. Uh, Stephen Holder, by the way, going to join us, and he's going to do so in just over five minutes. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Eddie, is it intentional that you play this song? Indeed it is. Okay. Because Stephen Holder came to Indianapolis via Tampa, but he is native to Miami. He joins us now on the program. Stephen, here is the biggest burning question. I'm sure you're going to be shocked that this would be my first one. Well, no, 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 no. I don't know what you were going to say, but I, the biggest burning question before you go on is actually, will I make it to Miami for Labor Day weekend as planned? Because <laughs> is, stuff, is, is, is work going to keep me from making that trip? Would you that can, is the biggest burning Steve, question. Steven, 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 Steven. Let me ask you something, Steven. Do, do, you, do you have a cell phone i don't even know if they use cells anymore but you have a mobile phone right an iphone right i i've heard about this emerging technology i have okay do, do you have on it like the capability of like zoom slash teams slash facetime slash etc <laughs> i i think i i gotta look into that not sure because I, sure. I, I got news for you you can work from anywhere these days man right well, I guess the question is, you know, where's the news going to be? But yeah, point taken. So no. anyhow, sorry, I, I jumped in prematurely. Well, well no, they, your, your question goes along with mine, and that is uh, 27 hours from right now. So it will yeah. be 4.02 p.m. Jonathan Taylor is or is not a member of the Indianapolis Colts? Well, first of all, an easier question would be, like, what is the meaning of life? Okay, let's, <laughs> let's start with that. <laughs> so I, I think that I actually feel it's truly 50-50. I know it's a cop-out answer, but I'm telling you, this is really going to boil down to whether the Colts have the will to do it or not. Okay? They, if they want to trade them, they can trade them. Do they have the will to do it? And, and so, look, I, I don't know the answer, and I know it's a cop-out answer, but I want people to understand, like, I don't think this is going to boil down to a matter of, oh, well, the compensation wasn't what they wanted. Look, they have, a, they have a tough situation, and there are not a lot of solutions to it. And so this is one solution, and it's just going to boil down to do they have the guts to do it and just go through with it? And that is, I think, a question for Chris Ballard. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know which way this is going to go. I know it's a terrible answer for radio, but – that's literally the situation. Is there any chance, Stephen, that this entire exercise 
of giving Jonathan Taylor permission for his agent to find a trade partner, etc., was less about the Colts wanting to see what they can get for him and more about them simply making the statement of establishing their own market value for him when trying to then, if they choose to do so, extend him or rather explain why they have not yet. Right. Uh, yeah, I get the question. Um, and I've heard it a lot, and I understand it. I think the answer to that is no, that it is not about that. And I'll tell you why. Here's, here's the thing. If you're the Colts and your decision is we are not going to do a contract extension with Jonathan Taylor at this particular time, as has been made very clear, including to Jonathan Taylor personally, well, then what is there to talk about, right? I mean, what, what's the point? If you, if, you think, if you think that you are not – if you think that you have uh, the, you know, the, the leverage, the high ground, whatever, like proving a point doesn't really – get you anything like i don't think there's anything to be gained from that i I think fans think there's something to be gained from it i don't think it really accomplishes anything and in fact here's here's another point to remember when you when this whole thing started and jonathan taylor when he showed up and he requested a trade on the day he reported to training camp when that news came out what is the first thing that happened jim mercy very boldly and on the record said to everyone myself included we will not trade Jonathan Taylor, paraphrasing, over my dead body. I mean, basically is what he said, right? And so here we are, what, three weeks later, and guess what? Oh, you know what? Maybe we'll trade him. Is <laughs> so that because Jonathan Taylor made it very clear to him at that time, you can say that all you want, I don't want to be here. That meeting on the bus was Jim Ursay's attempt to kind of calm things down and to kind of reason with Jonathan Taylor – and so I think we all know how that meeting went. So that would be my answer to that question. It, it did not go well. In fact, my, what, I, what I observe and what I understand is that I, I think Jim Mercer expected it to go very differently. <laughs> and it, it did not have the intended effect. So I think that has, it has brought them to a situation, the team, where you know, they have had to consider all options. And that is why we're here today with, the potential for Jonathan being traded. Steven, I keep going back to what you just referenced, which is the declarative, we're not trading him comments that were made by Jim Ursay to this shift now that, okay, we'll, we'll let him try to seek out a trade partner. Good luck with that. And if you do find one, come back to us. With all that in mind, should I then treat the idea that tomorrow is a set in stone deadline as nothing more but superfluous posturing? Um. That's fair. A fair question. I, I think there, the only reason that one's a little more concrete is because of Jonathan Taylor's status and, and the fact that he is on the, the physically unable to perform list. I think the the, the deadline there, it, it, it basically equates to, you know, are you going to have him for the first four games if he's on your roster? Because if you, if you remain on the physically unable to perform list going into the season – and I know some of the listeners have already heard this, but just for clarity, if you're on that list in the regular season, and that list or that that regular season roster rules, the regular season roster rules begin tomorrow at four o'clock. If you are on that list at that point, you have to sit a minimum of four games, and then there are all kinds of other little um, idiosyncrasies that come along with those decisions uh, in terms of roster machinations. So that is very important, both for for Jonathan Taylor and for the Colts. I, mean, I don't know where Taylor stands on playing right now. I have no idea, but but that's very important for all involved. So that deadline is a little more important 
And I, I think the interesting thing about all this, here's the other thing for the Colts. If they elect not to trade him, then they have a decision to make tomorrow. If they activate Jonathan Taylor, okay, well, what happens then? All right? Now go back to, I told people on, uh, I guess, maybe a couple of days before uh, the training camp report date, I I said on television, and I, I tried to be, you know, a little bit vague just because it was unclear what was going to happen. But I said on television, look, when, when Jonathan Taylor reports on Tuesday, you know, be aware that things could get interesting when he reports. And I said, if he reports, it's going to be interesting. And what happened? He reported, and obviously there was pushback. They put him on PUP. None of that was expected, but there were indications that that was going to happen. So I'm telling you now, I think it's going to be a very interesting situation if he remains on this roster. What happens then? The answer is I don't know, and I don't know how Taylor will respond. That's going to be interesting. Half tongue in cheek with this, Stephen Holder covers the Colts for ESPN.com, taking some time with us on Query and Company. Which of the following causes the most chaos nationally, slash the most chaos that regrettably makes you unable to be in Miami for Labor Day? I apologize for speaking that into existence. Um, <laughs> him staying on the pup after tomorrow's deadline, him being activated but no trade partner, or him being traded? Hmm. Um. And which of those is most likely, I guess, at this juncture? Yeah, yeah. No, I think actually, if he's if he's activated, I think that's the that's probably the the, the newsiest thing from my perspective. Because if he's on the pup, I mean, I cover the Colts, right? So if he's if he's traded, then then it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> so, to be completely honest, I love Jonathan Taylor, but hey, it wouldn't be my problem anymore. Um, if he if he stays and he's on the pup list, well, then basically we're status quo for the most part, right? We've got an, an angry player who's not playing. <laughs> and then if he's activated, then it becomes, oh, well, is Jonathan Taylor going to play? Is he going to practice? Uh, what's he going to say? Because now if you're on the active roster, I mean, you know, you have to submit for interviews. And I don't know. It could get very interesting from that perspective. Steven, who is going to have a sleepless night? Give me three guys, I guess. Uh, with tomorrow being, you know, final cuts, give me the three guys that tonight probably get the least sleep, least amount of sleep. And by that, yeah. I mean players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I think everyone outside of the. <laughs> this is another cop out answer, but it's it's an honest answer. I think everyone outside of the top mm, five on the offensive line should not sleep comfortably. In fact, not just tonight, but like the next two or three nights, because that offensive line depth is a problem. And and this leads me to another point. It's not just the offensive line. I went through and had to do, like a lot of us in, in my line of work, we have to do these uh, 53-man roster predictions. So I did mine, and one of the things that I learned in doing it, i got to tell you, the, the thing that I came away with was the depth on this roster is alarming. The lack of depth is alarming. And, and that's usually been, I think, a, a really strong point for Chris Ballard over the years, even – even when they, they didn't win a lot necessarily, uh, they had teams that, that had some good players throughout the roster. This team is the opposite. I don't like the depth at all. And if they have a rash of injuries, and it's the NFL, so duh, I think they're going to be in trouble. I really do. I don't like this depth at all, and I think it is, it is one, of the, it, it's one of the more shallow rosters that Chris Ballard has put together. Pretty alarming. Okay, lastly, Stephen, from me, um, and I appreciate the time today. And this is kind of a cliched question, uh, 
But give me the room, like when players show up on Wednesday for their, you know, to watch film as a as a group at their position. Give me the room that the guys, when the door shuts, are going to then say to each other, "I can't believe that so and so is not in here." I, I thought for certain he was going to make this roster, and he's not here. But that shows the depth of this room or the experimentation of the guys at this position. That would be who. Yeah, it was tight end for me because I think that there are five guys worth keeping, five, and there aren't many teams that would even consider keeping five tight ends on their final roster. Now, I think the Colts can afford to do it because I don't think they've been hit hard by injuries so far, and so they don't have a lot of they, they won't have the need to have a lot of extra bodies, if you will, on the roster. Which means to say, you know, there's a bunch of quote or just for for kicks, just say there was a bunch of um, wide receivers hurt. Well, now you're keeping a couple extra wide receivers while your bigger while your better guys get get better or get healthy. They don't really have that problem for the most part. So they have some roster flexibility because of it, and also because, as I just said, it ain't like there's a lot of depth on the team anyway. So I think they can go five deep if they want, but that's not conventional. So look, there are five guys in there who I think easily deserve to make the roster. So it'll be very interesting. So one thing that that's, I think, bears watching with that tight end spot, keep an eye on this. Mo Cox, who is the most known commodity in that room and certainly the, the eldest player in that room with the most experience, he actually has, I think, in terms of potential and upside, he has much less than the rest of the guys in that room. And I think it's a little bit of a problem for him. I'm not saying they're going to cut him, but I I wonder what his role is going to be this year, because at least beyond a blocker, because all those other guys, in terms of athleticism, in terms of pass catching and all that, I think they have more upside in those areas. And as I said, that's a complicating factor for Mo Ali Cox. And and I'll just leave you with this, Joe. Excuse me, um, uh, Jim Bob Cooter yesterday, the offense coordinator, when he was asked about. Mo'Ally Cox and what he brings, he emphasized, he talked for like two minutes and he went on and on about one thing and he said leadership. And I was like, well, I mean, you got to do more than that, right? So that was interesting. Stephen, last thing on my end, if Jonathan Taylor is off the pup, he's active, and let's say he has a moment where he's like, all right, I'm just going to go out there, prove everybody wrong, and I'm going to still play for this team because no one's traded for me. If he has a successful enough season to show that he is worth the money that he wants, are the Colts over this headache, or is it still too valuable a piece to not consider the tag next year if we get to that point? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that is that's the other question, right? It's not just do they keep him; it's then all season long the question is going to be, okay, what now, right? And that's why this doesn't. It, it's not like this headache is going to be over tomorrow. That's one thing I, I think people have to keep in mind here. So anyway, to your question. Obviously, it depends on how it all plays out and, and how does he play, is he healthy, and all those things. If Jonathan Taylor has a Jonathan Taylor-like season and he's healthy, I mean, do you think he's going to be any less inclined to, to want a, a long-term deal? If anything, he's going to be more emboldened and he's going to probably dig in even further and then this fight potentially gets uglier. So I, just, I don't think this really gets any easier for anybody, frankly. Uh, I would say this. If you were Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I know what what the fans have convinced themselves of. Well, they told him they're going to extend him. He's just got to wait. I mean, give me a break, right? I mean, like, 
<laughs> why do people why do people so readily accept that? I don't understand. Jonathan Taylor has looked around the NFL and said, "Okay, Josh Jacobs led the NFL with sixteen hundred yards, and they told him to go jump in a lake." And then <laughs> Saquon Barkley had had a comeback year that that he, no one thought he was capable of, and they told him to go jump in a lake. I mean, come on, I mean, like <laughs> as long as the tag's a weapon, it's not changing. Exactly. Like, come on, people. Like, I've been getting so much flack for this. Like, oh, you're just you're just being a mouthpiece. Yes, because that's what he thinks, bro. <laughs> like, dude. Like, people wake up, man. Like, I don't. I'm not saying the Colts are lying. They can have the best of intentions, but they also are not going to do something that's against their best interests. So it is what it is. Jonathan Taylor is not an idiot. By the way, Stephen, isn't there? And I'm not saying this to make light of it at all. Uh, since you're getting ready to go to your hometown, uh, I'm assuming to see family. But isn't there like a tropical storm or a hurricane? Is Miami not included yeah. in the path? Yeah, it, it's it's on the it's in the Gulf, so it's supposed to go uh, further up the Gulf Coast. So yeah, it, it won't be uh, anywhere near the 305 zip code or excuse me area code. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, we as long as it's not as long as you're, you're Areas not within that cone of uncertainty. <laughs> we pretty much it's business as usual for us. So yeah, I'm not worried about it. Have you have in you fact, ridden out fact, a hurricane before? Have I? Excuse me. What have you ridden out a hurricane before? Oh, many. In fact, in fact, in uh, in a very early part of my journalism career, I was a, I was also a news reporter at times. Um, I was a, a news correspondent for the Associated Press, and I got roped into covering lots of hurricanes for them including the one time I spent the night on the floor at the National Hurricane Center. That's a true story. Wow. Now, it, Which is me, the best place to be during a hurricane. <laughs> I was going to say, is that because there was a hurricane? But I don't I mean, I've always heard it's terrifying. I, like, do you get I, used I to it? Andrew. I, I lived through Andrew. I, I was far enough away that, you know, our house was largely intact. My wife, who I didn't know at the time, lived much further south in Dade County, they lost their entire house and lived in a trailer for six months. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, we've got pictures somewhere at the house, at our house currently, of it. Um, you can look up and see the sky. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a load of fun. Yeah. Well, Stephen, <laughs> I appreciate the time today. Best of luck in not only from a weather standpoint, I guess, but also from the storm of the Colts and being able to get home for the weekend and then make it back. Yeah, I can't escape the hurricanes, right? Wherever I go, they go. <laughs> yes, man. Uh, I right, appreciate guys. it, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. All right, Stephen Holder um, joining us. I, Jimmy, I have gone through – I've seen a tornado. I mean, like I think most people around here have seen one at some yep. point, but like been like right there near a tornado, but it was actually in Kansas, not Indiana. Um, I was on the air here in this building – on the ground floor in 2007 or 8 when we had an earthquake. And it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm on the air, and back then we broadcasted on what was called the Showcase Studio on the right down below. I mean, here on Monument Circle in the MS building, the old WIBC studio, the big studio downstairs. And I'm on the air, and, and we have the long vertical blinds, and they started swinging back and forth. And I remember thinking like well i'm what the world because it's indiana right i mean you don't and just when i thought to myself like are we having an earthquake i didn't want to say on the radio because your natural instinct is oh my gosh we're having an earthquake now for folks listening i we're not right now i'm talking about this is a memory that's being shared correct but 
then again, I thought, well, I'm on the radio, so I don't want to like create some sort of a panic because sure. who knows how bad this is. And have you ever felt an earthquake? There was one that I, this might be the same one because it would have been around that time where I woke up. It was probably about 6 a.m. like that. The house was shaking a little bit, but I was so groggy that I didn't fully understand what was happening. So I went back to bed. And then the, the thing that's weird. So that happened to me. So that was that one. And it was like a five point something. It was for here. It was big. And then to your point, the other earthquake that I have felt was a couple of years ago, uh, I was in Sonoma for the IndyCar race, and we were staying in Napa in Northern California, and there was a, I mean, a big earthquake. It woke me up from a dead sleep at like five o'clock in the morning, and it was big enough that I knew immediately what it was. And I remember a picture falling off the wall in the hotel room, but by the time you realize and grasp totally what's happening, it's over. That's the, yep. the crazy thing about an earthquake. One happened in Summer League in 2019. I was out there for it, and we were in whatever, Thomas and Mac, and I hadn't been in a legitimate one before where I wasn't in the comfort of my own right. home. And, like, the scoreboard swaying, and I'm like, I didn't, took me, like you mentioned, 10, 15 seconds to process what was happening, and then once you kind of comprehend and realize it, it's totally done. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, but, but a hurricane I've never gone through but to Stephen's point, I, you know, every, anybody who has says it is just, you know, the old line of like, it sounds like a freight train. You know what I mean? Um, to your Jonathan Taylor question about the franchise tag, I, the one thing I know, the tag now has, and I think that's what running backs were trying to buck against was the fact that they, I think the running back position is the one that is most often franchise tagged. And I think they were trying to break away from that and thus Jim Mercer's tweet of like, hey, listen, this was agreed upon by the collective bargaining agreement and that's just how it goes. You can tag someone multiple years, but the price goes up 20% every year that you do it. So I remember Jimmy with Andrew Luck, that was a big question mark was, you know, people were like, is Luck going to demand a trade? Obviously before he retired. Um, you know, and it was like, well, no. I mean, he's just at the very least, they will just continue to franchise tag him. But it was like, man, but they can only do that for so many years before then it would just become not even, even for a guy that Vander Lux caliber, you price yourself out of the market. And I think there may be a cap now of like three tags consecutively you can put on a guy. Yeah, it is, it is three. But, but I mean, even at that, at a 20%. The third one, the percent, yeah, the percentage. Yeah, you bonkers. price yourself out, right? Yeah. To the point where it's not even. You would have been saving it. yourself money to sit down and have the contract extension over a three year period if you're tagging a guy. Right. Over that yeah, same Exactly. Span. Exactly. Um, but it, it will be interesting. I, I don't. Because that's what's going to happen. Like, if I am. He's right. Steven's right. Jonathan Taylor, his mindset right now is the same level of distrust that any other running back that's come before him in the last really just this offseason, if you want to compact it down, has felt, which is that, okay, these are tools that are going to be used against me. There's no way to fight it. I'm, I'm trapped. And each running back so far has, for lack of a better phrase, bent the knee to their franchise and are suiting up for them. Josh Jacobs, uh, most recently, Saquon Barkley over this summer. Jonathan Taylor, as a running back, is in a lose-lose situation because people want to point to him and say, JT, go earn it this year. Right. You were hurt last year. Go earn it. And I've said that to some extent. Like, he's under contract. I feel like he should honor the contract, but never to a point of, hey, go earn it, JT. Because if JT goes and earns it, you're going to tag him. Like, if he wants, if his number is three years 13 right now, and he has a career year or close to it like he did in 2021, if I'm him and his agent, okay, that number went up. And if the Colts don't want to sit at that dinner table, here's the tag. 
Enjoy but, $10 million. But the franchise tag, if they were to tag him, though, Jimmy, would be a similar ballpark or entering into the ballpark of what he would be asking for. I know that, that the rumor is... This year's tag was 10 yeah, for so that, the sake of conversation. So, so a tag next year, a franchise tag next year would theoretically... Keep in mind, it is the average of what? Like the five highest paid at yep. your position. A franchise tag next year is going to have the Jacobs... T- amount in there the Barkley amount and then I I can't remember you know there are a couple of running backs that are getting ready to hit the open market there's a ton and so the the price is going to go up so a, a tag my my assumption would be that a franchise tag for Jonathan Taylor one year from right now is probably going to get him like in the 13 to 14 range you and I both agree that neither of us I don't speak for your math guys correct well, no, no, no. no. I, I'm, no I'm only I'm only leading into that to say that course. I've had the yes. same fear of trying to run the numbers of what next year's tag is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be the, high. I mean, but, but the increase year by year has not been millions of dollars on the jump for running I get backs. It. I don't think it's going to be 13. I think they'll be lucky if it's like 11 and a half, maybe 12. And I guess 12 is close enough to where maybe he can stomach that. But like, it's it's not going to be well, like I said, a 13 or 14 million dollar number if jonathan taylor as was reported was wanting or expecting 16 million a year then what that means is he probably is willing to take 14 maybe even 13 and i do think jimmy it's going to be in in other words it's going to be a closer it's going to be more in the conversation of that price than what than the four and a half million that he's netted but as you know the reason that players in his boat don't stomach that initially is because I proved it like other Colts have before. I, I want it. long-term security. Yeah, no, totally. totally. And uh, to your point, when you have a teammate and a guy with the same representation in Shaq Leonard that was given a huge extension while on pup, then to Jonathan Taylor, the point of you are injured, so therefore we are hesitant to invest in you becomes hollow because yeah. you're like, well, that's not – it's a double standard here going on. Precedent for me. Yeah. says otherwise. That well, it's is also correct. worth remembering that the, the day after Shaq signed that extension, he showed up and participated in the next practice. So he was activated literally the next day after he took the contract extension. And you wonder what's like? Would Taylor do the same? I mean, I to me the, the the peculiar thing about Taylor, you know, the back injury becomes a question mark because how much of that was gamesmanship? How much of that is real? Uh, the ankle injury, how much of that then, as in the case with Shaquille Leonard in the early injury, how much does that spawn off into other things? I mean, there there are a lot of a lot of things that go into it. A lot of things that go into it. Um, by the way. Um, Don Fisher coming up here in just about five minutes uh, will will join us on the program. And then George Brimmer coming up at 2 o'clock as well. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. 
Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Inside the DriveHewer.com studios, it's a Monday. College football season is upon us. That means the voice of the Hoosier is Don Fisher. Nice enough to take some time with us. Don, how's the offseason been? You itching to get things back up and running at Memorial Stadium? That I am. There's no question about it. It's going to be exciting just because it's the new football season. And, uh, of course, Indiana starts with Ohio State, which makes it even a little bit more anxiety-ridden, to say the least. But, nevertheless, we're looking forward to it. No question. I hate to go philosophical on you right out of the gate, but that's how Jake and I started the program today. Uh, where do you that's stand? Jake starts every program. <laughs> I, know, I know he does. <laughs> Thanks, I, 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 I know he does. I was, I was informed on that as I teamed up with him last week. Um, <laughs> Um, for you, where do you stand on the marketing of week zero? Do you, do you treat it as just week one like any everybody else in terms of how the games shape up or any news well, there for you? Until last year, I didn't even know what week zero meant. I thought it was a Coke product or something. <laughs> See, Don's been my hero for 40 years and no more so than right then. Thank you, Don. Yes, that is exactly correct. Um, no, I, I know week zero means that whatever that means, I mean, it's a it's a bogus meaning because there is no such thing as zero if there's a game going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It counts on the record. It's not a preseason matchup or an exhibition. I'd, I'd like for you to record that clip and replay it for yourself, Jimmy, next time we have this discussion, okay. because that's exactly correct. I'll save it in 2024. Sounds good. Hey, Don, what do we know about, you know, this is an intriguing game for me with Indiana and Ohio State, because obviously we know Ohio State speaks for itself, right? But, right. you know, for Indiana, especially when I do think I'm really intrigued at the quarterback position, I think a lot of people are. But do you think Tom Allen has a real read on what kind of team he has at the, or or does it all come down to the quarterback position and they just aren't going to know for a few weeks exactly who and where they are? Does that make sense? I, I there's no question it makes sense because I don't know that anybody knows where they are right now. This is a team that has so many new faces on it. Um I I, I counted up 23 or 24 players out of the transfer portal who are in the team's top 50 this year. Think about that. I mean, these are all guys that are going to play. So when you've got that young a team, a, a ball club that is that unknown, especially from a Big Ten perspective, uh, there is nothing but questions. And I, I think Tom is – I think he's excited about what he's seen in practice – I think fall practices have proven that some of these guys are maybe better than a lot of people might think, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But the real question mark with this football team going into the season, number one, is who's going to be the quarterback, even though they've said they know who it's going to be now, but it's taken up until the week before the season starts to make that determination. And then number two, uh, with all these new faces, how is that all going to come together as part of a team? Because let's face it, uh, that chemistry and all those kinds of things are going to be very important. By all accounts, Don, Jackson and Soresby both, regardless of who's under center, what, what's being shared from setup of camp and just the lead up to week one has been they're both extremely talented. How much of this multi-quarterback conversation is PTSD for the fact that it's been since Peyton Ramsey in 2018 that a Hoosier quarterback has started the entire season? 
Well, uh, there's no question that there's there's a I mean that is the question. What what what's going to happen with the quarterback position? Will it be two guys sharing the position through the year? Will it be just one guy getting most of the snaps until he gets hurt and the other guy has to step up because Let's face it, if you're a freshman, and, and, and I've granted both these guys have been in college football for a year prior to this, but they were red shirts. They were guys that weren't expected to play much, and neither did. Uh, Soresby basically, I think, two series in the Penn State game when he was shoved into the position because of an injury to Jack Tuttle, and and uh, then uh, and, and Taven was uh, used to Tennessee very sparingly as well. I think he was in maybe a couple of ball games, but not enough snaps to get any kind of an idea about what these guys are capable of when they're under fire for the real thing. And right now, whether it's uh, Taven Jackson or Brendan Soresby who gets the start, um, we I just don't know. And I don't think the coaching staff really knows at this juncture how they're going to play this thing. I think you've got to play it by ear and just determine if one guy looks looks really good at what he's doing and utilize him. And, you know, through all the camp processes, through the scrimmages and everything that they've, they've done in the fall, one week, one week it would be the uh, Brendan, next week it would be Taven, and they went back and forth all the time through the preseason camp. So I don't know how you make that determination at this juncture uh, unless it's on something other than just the skill of the game. Don, Don Fisher, by the way, is our guest here. Indiana, to me, is also intriguing – for this fact, like I'll use EJ Williams as an example. You know, you mentioned the transfer portal. EJ Williams was a five-star kid. I, you know, I'm a Clemson fan, so I watched him at Clemson, and he came in, and you could see why he was an, a, a national, you know, top fifty recruit, whatever it might be. And he kind of got buried a little bit at Clemson, and just never really got footing there. And now he transfers to Indiana. Clearly, the talent and the size is there, but. And I understand why Indiana, if you're Indiana, you're going to take the best players available. I, I totally get it. But yet you kind of never know what you're going to get. It, so is it, when you look at this team, is this as mystifying, I guess, an identity of a roster as you have seen? And this is probably the case down everywhere because of the portal. I mean, how much more of a curveball does this give even you or those around the program of knowing who and what they are at this point versus years past? Well, that's exactly the whole thing about the portal. If you've gotten as many players out of the portal as Indiana did this past year, how can you determine whether or not it's all going to all going to coalesce and it's all going to be together and it's and they are all on the same on the same scorecard, right. so to speak? I mean, it's it's going to be a challenge, and and that's what has happened with the transfer portal and NIL. I've said this many times. Uh, I those two com- that combination of things. Uh, makes these college players free agents. And, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to tamper with somebody else's player, but let's face facts here, there's a lot of people doing it. And when they put themselves in the transfer portal, was it their idea or was it somebody behind the scenes idea? And we'll just have to wait and see on how that stuff plays out and if you ever really find out. But the, the truth of the matter is there's no way to judge this right now. Have I seen a difference in this Indiana football team over last year? No question in my mind. I think it looks like it's a better football team. How long that lasts all depends on whether they have success or not. And obviously they're going to start out with a really big challenge in the first game. You know, Don, so much of when you're talking about young players and college athletes are young players. I mean, that's the reality of it. 
I, I think so much of it can become psychological. And Indiana, the Big Ten is the Big Ten's always tough. We know this, right? But there have been years where Indiana, from a scheduling standpoint, once you start to, to backpedal a little bit, you go into the, to the meat of the Big Ten. It can be rough, and, and and I think you then challenge you're challenged by guys just kind of throwing it in at that point. This schedule to me this year. I'm not going to say it's favorable because I know the Big Ten is good, but you're not getting that mix where you're going like four games in a row against top 12 teams like we've seen in the past. Do you agree with that sentiment in terms of the schedule offering a little bit of reprieve at times when Indiana might most need it while they're trying to figure out who they are? Well, I, I'm looking at it as we speak, Jake, and, and honestly, the first four ball games you've got Ohio State, Indiana State, Louisville, and Akron. Indiana should win two of those for sure. Ohio State, Louisville, really question marks. Louisville's a good football program, and they were good last year, and now you've got Jeff Robb down there who's had some success against Indiana at Purdue, uh, and he knows what Indiana's going to do for the most part. So that's 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 not in your favor. And then after Akron, you've got Maryland, who's one of the really up-and-coming teams over the last couple of years in the Big Ten. They've gotten much tougher, much more talented. Uh, Michigan's right after them. And they're both on the road. And then you play home to Rutgers. You should win that ball game. But Rutgers has had Indiana's number and other, all kinds of sports here lately, as we know in basketball. Uh, Penn State after that. Then Wisconsin. Then Illinois. And then Michigan State and Purdue. I mean, for heaven's sakes, I don't see any real breather there uh, once you get into the Big Ten you know, season. Yeah, the Big Ten, I mean, it's, it's interesting, Don, because Illinois and Michigan State are two of them that – I think Illinois improved for certain, right? I, I think no he can question. coach. And Michigan State's kind of a curveball because Michigan State to me is that team that like every year Michigan State's either – it seems like they are either like in contention for the college football playoff or they are like 2-10 and 10 and you wonder what the heck happened to them, right? Michigan State yeah. is definitely enigmatic to me. Well, Indiana, uh, Indiana beat Michigan State last year after the year before getting clobbered by the Spartans. So how do you know? I mean – it is so hard to judge college football. Those people who gamble on it, they're nuts. I just think they're crazy. <laughs> 1-800-9-WITH-IT, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I, there's just no way to predict this stuff unless you are uh, a program like Indiana and a program like Ohio State, and then you have an idea. That's about all you can say about it because any more – Anybody can beat anybody on a given Saturday, and we'll see if that happens this year for an Indiana now, team that needs one of those. Don, I'm telling you, I said this earlier, okay? And I realized that as the voice of the Hoosiers, it's not your place, and I wouldn't put you in the, in the place to agree or disagree with me here. But I'm telling you right now, you can mark this down, Don Fisher, as sure as the fact that today is Monday and it's gorgeous outside. Indiana is going to send the college football world upside down on October 14th when Michigan is upset by Indiana in the big house. Indiana's going to shock the world. That is the game they're going to win. I'm telling you right now, Indiana's going to beat Michigan this year. How much money do you have in your pocket, Jake? <laughs> I got... Uh, I Just got asking. Rabbit ears out of the pocket. I don't carry cash, Don. Come on now. I'm telling you. I, but, but here's the thing. 
I don't know what I'm being obviously a little bit flippant, not as a discredit to Indiana, but Michigan's outstanding. We know this, but that is one team. And I know that, that over the course of games, the depth of an Ohio state or a Michigan, that's where the difference comes in, right? They hang around for a, a couple of quarters and then they start to pull away from teams because of their overall depth. But right. I just get this feeling that it, Indiana has played Michigan competitively not every year, but I'm telling you, that is the game that, that Indiana's year is made in Ann Arbor on October 14th. I'm just telling you now, Don. I'll, I'm going to write it down, Jake. <laughs> and I hope you're right. Now, That's all I'm going to say. Here's the thing. Now, now here's the, my only We've prediction. We've cut the audio as well, by the way. It's ready. We've got it in the archive. When it happens, Don, the only thing I ask when it happens is that at some point as the clock's ticking down, doesn't have to be the signature call. Doesn't have to be the signature call. But late in the game when you say, Jake Query called this in September, Indiana and this football team of Tom Allen is on its way to knocking off the Wolverines. Well, first of all, I would not be correct if I said this was in September when you predicted it. Cause oh, uh, that's right. It's August, isn't it? Darn it. <laughs> Don, I gotta pick up where I, Jake, I got to pick up my op- observations from you when I get a chance to that are wrong, and that's one that was wrong right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I, I keep thinking it's September, darn it. I, and, and you know what, Don, tomorrow is my girlfriend Shannon's birthday, and so I have to remember that it is still <laughs> late August here. I mean, good Lord. It's a lot of the line thank there. God, Don, thank God I had that Freudian slip right there about September, or I might have forgotten that altogether, and you just completely saved me right there. So you don't owe me the favor of giving me credit against Michigan because you just absolutely saved me. Thank you. I'll call Shannon and let her know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Don, out of hot water, baby. Don, the struggles have been well documented the last couple of years for the Hoosiers, and it feels like what I've been hoping outside of the you know quarterback stability and the offensive line taking a leap forward, which it appears that might happen this year, is them getting back to that type of bite-like identity they had defensively. How, how much of an improvement are we going to see this year from the 2023 Hoosiers defensively, and will they be anywhere close to what we saw at times in their runs to bowl games in 19 and 20? Well, in 20, that defense was one of the critical factors as why they were able to get uh, the 6-2 and two season that they had and knock off Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State in the same year, which was a phenomenal accomplishment, despite the fact that all three of those teams that Indiana beat that year were hurting a little bit because of COVID and some of the other things that were going on at the time. That said, um, right now, Indiana football – is at a precipice, in my opinion. It's got to start making a turnaround this year. There's no question about that. Tom Allen knows it. The the, the entire fan base knows it. Uh, right at this juncture, you, you can't afford to have missteps. And th- the problem is is that you can have a lot of them if you've got freshman quarterbacks and and redshirt freshman quarterbacks. And, and that's what Indiana has. And they've got a bunch of new faces there that if things start going badly early, that can really, really hurt. So I, I it, to predict anything out of this season at this juncture, to say anything uh, on a true positive basis and really believe it, I, I'd be lying to you if I said anything like that. Because honestly, there's no way to know what we're going to face at this juncture. It's just fun to think about if they can have some success and become the kind of football program that Indiana fans want to see. So, Don, flippancy aside for me, when you have looked at this team and this group 
the one area that you feel like they probably do have the most, I guess, talent or depth or the one thing that is going to be a certainty about what they're going to be able or try to be able to do this year in their style would be what area of the field? If there's one one thing that I've seen a, an improvement in, and I and I say this based on the fact that I'm just looking at what the coaches are telling me and, and things that they have not been able to accomplish in the last couple of years, I would say it's the defensive line because they have a bunch of faces there that essentially are new. But all of these guys have had success where they've been previously. And Andre Carter is a kid from Western Michigan who's a sixth-year player. He comes to Indiana at 6'5", 270 pounds at defensive end. He has been a man out there in fall practice sessions. And another guy named Linnell Carr has also made himself himself known as the bull, which means the stand-up guy at the other defensive end spot that goes after quarterbacks. And he has made a real impact and an impression on the coaches as well. And then they've got inside guys this year, Philip Bleedy and Marcus Burris Jr., also two transfer port, uh, portal products. So you've got four guys that could possibly line up at the defensive in the defensive line that are brand new to this program, but all seem to have the right mindset and the credentials to be something special if Indiana's going to have something special on the defensive side of the ball. You know, it's going to be awkward when Indiana beats Michigan, Jimmy, on October 14th, and I tell everybody it's November, right? Like, I'm so excited about the game, I can't even keep the calendar straight. Good Lord. Hey, Don, we appreciate it. Trust me, I will call Shannon and let her know I saved your relationship. <laughs> that is correct, man. Trust me. I, I appreciate it, Don, more than you know, right? Uh, Indiana and Ohio State coming up 3.30, by the way. That game, you can hear it right here on these airwaves, obviously. Uh, Jimmy is telling me. IBC. Or, or Eddie, what's that? WIBC. Oh, it is, all the games are on WIBC, mm-hmm. aren't they? Well, Sister station, WIBC. Yeah, I was going to say our sister station. But Don Fisher will be on the call. That game uh, coming up on Saturday. And then, uh, Eddie, in terms of Don's football show, that can be heard where and when? Tonight, uh, Wednesday at 7.05, Inside IE Football with head coach Tom Allen. Okay, and that that is here, right? Correct. Okay. 705 on these calendar straight. I can't get the station straight. It's a Monday, right? I guess that's true. Well, there are many things that I will compliment. I will compliment Eddie on, but uh, he was kind enough as I make it aware to our audio audience that is not seeing this. The board has it all up there, but it is a little hidden up to the right side. That inside IU football will be on these very airways on Wednesday. I have my glasses on, by the way. How did I think it was? You know what it is like. It kind of looks like a September day out, doesn't it? Like I like, there's something I don't know why I was thinking it's September. You know what it was? You probably forgot that they're it's all releasing the pumpkin spice. Exactly. Man. No, I was going to say what it is. pumpkin spice That's... gets released earlier and earlier every year. Right. To the point, it's like early August by the time it's popularized with ads. You're used to the September feel of it, and you're just did you know August September. is the only calendar in the month that does not have a holiday? I did not know that. I do now. You know what? I'm sure you've been told this throughout your radio career. I feel confident that as long as we're working together, I'm going to learn something new every day. Well, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I feel very, I feel very confident in that. Um, if you were going to make a holiday out of something in August, what would it be? Week zero. You're probably <laughs> right. Actually, pro- in all honesty, probably the see the opening of the NFL season does not begin in August, so you can't have that. Um, it probably would be like the kickoff of college football would be could be a national holiday, right? Yeah. 
Were there any presidents born in August? Could we pick a president that like their birthday becomes a holiday? What president, if there was a president born in August and we were just going to make their birthday a federal holiday, what president is it? I mean, I don't know. Are you looking up? I am. I'm doing it for you. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, August 27th. Benjamin Harris, August 20th. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. August when? August 27th. Yesterday. What, what, what's the, Okay, so happy LBJ Day yesterday, yep. right? Who else? Benjamin Harrison, August 20th. Oh, well, there we go. I mean, Benjamin Harrison. Yep. Hell, he lived right up exactly. the street. Benjamin Harrison, by the way, after he was president, Benjamin Harrison... Uh, for those that don't know, Benjamin Harrison was actually a native of Ohio, but went to Miami of Ohio, became an attorney, became an attorney living in Indianapolis, ran his presidential campaign essentially from Indianapolis, became president of the United States, moved back to Indianapolis, was an attorney in the city of Indianapolis, still rode a horse, was riding his horse one day up Delaware Street when a man on the opposite side of the street tried to mug essentially or purse snatch a woman benjamin harrison who was you know because he was part of the big fat guy era sure there was like a you know benjamin harrison and chester a arthur and rutherford b hayes felt bad for horses back then all those guys yes big fat bearded guys but benjamin harrison probably could have used the exercise but instead was riding his horse used his horse to gallop after the purse snatcher jumped off of his horse onto the guy (laughs) tackled him right on north delaware street and the guy was arrested did you learn that from jeopardy that is (laughs) indiana jones theme was in my head four o'clock jeopardy and then i repeat did it at 7 Eddie, <laughs> yeah. and people were wildly entertained. President Clinton, President Hoover, President Obama, also born in August. Really? Yep. Okay. A cluster of President's birthdays. We should have a President's Day part duh in August. There you go. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Five minutes before the hour, two o'clock. George Berman going to join us coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Now, here's a little radio tidbit inside the behind the curtain for people. So, I'm still learning what we call the clock, meaning that I still think of things in terms of the morning show, in terms of like times that we divvy things up, and and. I don't know this, Jimmy, but I've been told this. Uh, Eddie Garrison is is neurotic about the clock. And if you break too late or too early, he, he, he goes frantic. And so, Eddie, I'm confused now because um the new guy around here. Yeah. So we, we are carrying this until 2 o'clock or we... You have um, 30 seconds. We have 30 seconds. And yeah. then we've got to go downstairs and get George and then bring him up and put him on the phone, right? <laughs> is that how this works? I get very confused by this, Jimmy. You know I mean? There's a method to the madness, yes. I'm not going to throw stones at a glass house, though, because I like Eddie get frantic behind the board. I'm you a really? very structured guy when it comes. When I'm in that chair. I know this will stun both of you. Structure, not a strong suit here. I am shocked. 
Although I will say this, one time I was doing an interview with Jim Mora when he was the co- head coach of the Colts, and it, actually I think Dave First was doing the interview, and I was standing there, and he in the middle of the interview he said to Dave First, "And I got sweater. Where'd you get that sweater?" And Dave First was like, I, I think the men's clothing store structure. And literally the rest of the interview, like every two minutes, Jim Mora in between talking about football would stop and just go, structure. You got the sweater, structure, structure. <laughs> and then he turned around, whoever was with the Colts at the time, John, you ever heard of structure? You, you familiar structure? I like that sweater from structure. So that's that's as much introduction as I have to structure as there possibly is. But the structure of Eddie Garrison says that George Bremer is next. Two o'clock in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's two o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Jimmy Cook here as well. Eddie Garrison flying the controls and has dialed up for us from the Anderson Herald Bulletin. George Brimmer joins us on the program. And of course, George keeping a watchful eye over all things involving the Indianapolis Colts. That's one of my least favorite phrases. I'm surprised I just said it. But um, he has been doing so since 2010. So entering what I believe, if my math is correct, would be his 14th season as a beat writer for the Colts. And George, we'll begin with this. I'm going to throw the table to you by saying I'm not going to ask you immediately about Jonathan Taylor. So we'll go to other areas. And those other areas would be this. If you had to guess the area that... Right now, Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen are having the most in-depth conversations about regarding cuts that will have to take place before 4 o'clock tomorrow would be where that is the most difficult for them. I think tight end. I mean, I think you've just got so many bodies there. Um, It's one of the few spots with quite a bit of experience from some of those guys. Uh, They all kind of bring a little bit of a different skill set to the table. You've got a rookie involved in there as well with, with Will Mallory. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough one to kind of figure out because can you keep five? If you do, you know, are you hurting yourself elsewhere? If you don't keep five, who are you letting go? I I feel like that one's a a really, really difficult decision for them right now. Yeah, the other thing about tight end to me is the fact that George – it feels like they're going to be safe whichever one they decide to go with. In other words, I think they – to your point, they are five guys that all – I don't know that any of them jumps out at you and you say, wow, like this guy is a game changer. But at the same time, the floor of that room is also, I think, pretty high, right? I mean, whichever one you decide is the, is the least, you're going to be, if you cut a tight end, you are going to be cut, cutting a really good player, in my opinion. Um, but I don't know that there's anybody there that absolutely jumps out where you say, that is lock, stock, and barrel, the definitive starter. Would you agree? Yeah, it makes it such an interesting position right now because I think the depth chart's hard to kind of stack up. And then they've had injuries there. I mean, a lot of those guys have been in and out throughout the summer. So uh, I think it's a really tough one to evaluate right now. George Bremer, our guest, covers the Colts for the Herald Bulletin. George, you had a piece yesterday from your Colts notebook column about the state of where the roster's at right now and Dallas Flowers a year ago feeling like he would, would make the 53-man but wasn't certain about that. And now the opportunity that's in front of him as, as a starter, like we started this year, talks about how fast things can happen within this league. As you look at the roster from your perspective, who is the next Dallas Flowers in terms of maybe this guy isn't 100% certain he's going to make the roster, but you think he will and is going to have an opportunity to really shine? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, maybe, maybe a guy like Grant Stewart. I mean, I know that he's been a, a special teams guy for them. Uh, you know, since he got here, and he, I think he is definitely going to make the roster. I don't think there's much doubt 
for him there. But I, I wonder if he's going to get a little more play in the defense this year. The linebacker is a little bit more shaken up than it has been recently. Uh, I think he's done a good job for them when, when he's gotten that shot. Maybe he's a guy who can get an opportunity. Uh, I think obviously Daryl Baker is, is really well set up. Uh, he, he, very similar to Dallas Flowers, but he's kind of doing it uh, on an accelerated uh, pace where he really just got a, a very brief look at the end of the year last year, uh, but he's going to start. I think he's got a chance to really take off. Uh, other than that, I think the, the probably the one thing uh, that, that's good about the situation the, the, the Colts have right now, if you're a young guy, there should be a lot of opportunities this year for guys uh, who don't have much experience or very little experience in the NFL to get out there in key situations. And, and you know, that's what every player says that's what they want. I mean, that's what you hear this time of year all the time. Just give me an opportunity. Uh, there should be plenty of that in Indianapolis this season. George, when you look at Anthony Richardson, and in particular what Anthony Richardson was able to do against Philly, which I was impressed by him. Um, not necessarily – I was impressed by his poise – and then there were times where I didn't know if he was taking off and running out of necessity or by design. How much do you think Shane Steichen will incorporate, like he did with Jalen Hurts probably, the running game with Richardson? And how much of what we have seen so far was by design versus a rookie quarterback just getting out while the heat was there? I, You know, it's hard to say how it's going to go moving forward just because uh, that's one of the big advantages they have. No one really knows for sure what Shane Sykin's going to do with this offense or, or how it's all going to work in. But you go back and look at his Florida tape, there were times where you almost want him to run a little more. He stays in the pocket maybe a little bit longer than he should. Uh, so I'm guessing a lot of that right now is by design. I would think that Shane Sykin is going to want to take advantage of that part of his game. I think it's one of the reasons you feel comfortable starting him so early in his career. You know that he can run the football and you know he can make big plays. And we've seen it both in the Buffalo game and uh, against Philly. He had big runs called back by penalties, but big runs in, in big situations. One to convert, what, I think a third and 15, another one that would have got him down to like the five yard line. So, you know, I think especially if Jonathan Taylor's not on this roster, he might be your most dangerous threat you know in the ground game and the the key there is balancing it because this franchise better than probably anyone knows you know you've got to protect that quarterback you can't let him get beat up uh, but they've got to find a balance to okay this is the right number where he can stay relatively safe as safe as you can be on an NFL field uh, but also still take advantage of, of what's really a game-breaking ability you mentioned protecting the quarterback a lot of stress behind the idea of how quarterbacks have been protected in this offense the last two years when you look at the offensive line going into week one both from a starter standpoint and a depth standpoint where should the feeling be uh, it's not great right now I, I think the starters have taken some steps forward I think especially against Philadelphia you saw some good things uh, getting some short yardage gains finishing some drives in the red zone things they didn't do against Buffalo that, that I think they needed to show uh, but that depth was a concern to begin with, and now you lose Danny Penner, who's your backup center. Uh, it's a really thin group right now, and we know attrition in this league. We've seen it year after year. You know how many offensive linemen you end up having to rotate through. I think that's really something that they're going to be watching on the waiver wire. We'll see how it turns out, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's multiple uh, additions. Uh, to that offensive line depth right now because it, it's just it's a real area of concern. Does that now jump to top 
priority in your mind? You mentioned waiver claims. Not going to ask you to project what they might do when we don't know all the players that are going to be available. But does that now jump to top need with their fourth spot in the waiver wire? Yeah, in my mind, especially with a pinner injury, I think it's a really, uh, you know, it's a huge hole right now on the roster. It was thin before Pinner went down, but now I don't know that you've got another player on the roster right now who's taking a snap in a regular season game at center outside of Ryan Kelly, and Ryan Kelly's banged up. So, you know, I think you absolutely have to add in a backup center, and I think you, you probably would like to add a swing tackle uh, and maybe even some more interior line depth. So I, there's definitely work to be done there. When you look, George, at, you know, assuming that we have a general idea of what the roster is going to look like, are you more optimistic, less optimistic, or about the same in terms of their level of competitiveness this year than you were when they arrived at Grand Park? Uh, probably about the same, just because I think it, from from my point of view, it was always going to be a year where they're really young. I mean, you could see that coming in. But, and they're going to give a lot of young guys chances. And when you do that, you're going to take your lumps. You know, there's going to be good and bad that, that comes with that. I think it's always been kind of an evaluation season you know you want to see what you've got especially you look at that cornerback situation they're probably going to rotate guys through there throughout the season which of these guys steps up which one shows you that he needs to be here and needs to be a part a cornerstone of this team the quarterback obviously is extremely young the running back room could be pretty young receivers are still really young uh, you know i think it's going to be a year where there's a lot of learning going on in real time uh, i felt that way before training camp I think it just kind of confirmed and, and reaffirmed that for me, what, what's happened you know, past month, month and a half or so here. George, if you're driving, let's say you're driving to Anderson after a Colts game, thirsty, so you stop at a gas station, you walk in, you're going to get yourself a beverage. What, what are you getting? What are you buying? Probably Mountain Dew Zero. That's usually my go-to, okay. especially if I need to stay awake. So you, so you open the Mountain Dew Zero, and you're stunned when instead of Mountain Dew Zero, a genie comes out of the bottle. And the genie says to you, George Bremer, you've been covering the Colts since 2010. You know what's going on. And I'm a genie, so I'm going to do the following deal for you. You're going to write down on a sheet of paper the answer to a question. We're going to open that sheet of paper on December 1st, and if you have it correct, I'm going to give you a million bucks. You go, hell yeah, that's a great deal. So the question is, he says, December 1st, you have to write down the team in the NFL that Jonathan Taylor's playing for. You don't have to get the exact team if it's not the Colts, but you got to write down either Colts active, Colts inactive and on IR, or has been traded to a different team. What are you writing down? I'm going with the field here, I think. Uh, let's say a different team. Really? So you think now? Better question. Jimmy raised this earlier, and it's a great point. The Colts have created or said there's a deadline, you know, like for them to get a trade done. Do you believe that that exists, or if somebody makes an unbelievable offer for them after the fact, could he still be moved, or does it happen tomorrow? I think it. You know, right now, I think it happens tomorrow, but. I also I, there are very few true deadlines in the NFL. You know, I, I think at any time, if, if you're willing to do something uh, that helps your team and and can help the opponent, uh, things happen, right? I mean, people. I, I think always in this league, uh, teams are always looking to, to add. You know, and who knows what's going to happen once season starts? If, if there's injuries and somebody goes down, if if there's no trade tomorrow, 
but somebody who's in contention loses a running back, they may all of a sudden have a lot more interest than they did. But right now, uh, I just feel like a divorce is on the way. We'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, but my gut feeling is that Jonathan Taylor will be playing elsewhere this season. Okay, so Andy and Kevin are on from 7 to 10 in the morning tomorrow. Then from 12 to 3, I'm on tomorrow. Jimmy, you are off in James Boyd's end, is that right? Yeah, I'll be back behind the board, and okay, James so, Boyd is back in there with you. So, so I'll be in the building. So we're, Jimmy and I are in here with James from 12 to 3 tomorrow, and then John's on from 3 to 6. If you had to guess which of us is on the air if Jonathan Taylor's traded when the news breaks. I think John. I think it's going to be late. I think yeah. it's going to be close to the deadline. One of the real deadlines, right? Yeah, um, that's one of the few real deadlines <laughs> that, that happened in the NFL. So there aren't many. So we're going to be tap dancing, talking about John of the Taylor tomorrow from twelve. No, uh, I, I. It will be interesting. I agree with you that it probably would be if if he's going to be moved, it's going to be like as part of the roster formation, right? Which one would assume that all gets kind of released in one news dump. I, I, I would think tomorrow usually um but four o'clock tomorrow trade deadline i asked steven this earlier i'll ask you the same question george uh give me three guys three guys tonight knowing that the tomorrow by four o'clock is when the roster is set now that's not necessarily saying that it's definitive because there are guys that could make the roster and then once of course the waiver wires come out the colts make a few tweaks you know towards the bottom of the roster but in your opinion, the three guys tonight that you would anticipate are probably having the most sleepless nights tonight because they just don't know whether or not they're going to be called in with their playbook tomorrow would be who? Yeah, man, there's a lot on that roster because I think there it's it's a really – I think there's a lot of the back end that, that's really wide open. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Jawan Winfrey. I wonder if he's going to be that fifth receiver. I think he's done a lot out there uh, in preseason and in camp to, to earn a spot. Uh, but you never know if they're going to want somebody with more experience or, you know, he could be one of those guys that makes it Tuesday and then finds out on Wednesday that, that they're moving on. I think Titus Leo is another guy, defensive end, where the numbers might get him, uh, but has had an outstanding preseason, and especially for a late sixth-round pick. I think he's a guy that could really look good. Uh, and then maybe Sam Ellinger. You know, you don't know what they're going to do with that third quarterback spot. They kept him last year. Um, you know, are they going to bring him back again? Or do they want to find, you know, is that where you get the fifth tight end? Uh, you never know how many quarterbacks are going to be. Uh, and Sam, you know, he's a guy that's, that's been a survivor so far during his career. be interesting to see how things go for him with, with this cut down as well. George Bremer with us, covers the Colts, beat writer for the Herald Bulletin. Jake brought this up earlier, and I want to get your take on it, George. If we would have told you however many weeks ago when Kenyon Drake was signed, at that moment that, yeah, this guy's actually going to be cut. Would you have been surprised? No, I, you know, he was coming in kind of at the, the tail end of his career. So, you know, I think it was, let's see what he's got and let's see, you know, if he can earn a spot here. Uh, but I think it, it just wasn't there. And, and that happens, you know, I think running backs get beat up. It's probably outside of offensive line, defensive line, the most brutal position on the field. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's tough for these guys, and, and I think you saw that with Kenyon a little bit while in his time here. How much of that had to do with Evan Hole's play in the preseason? Yeah, that doesn't help either. When you've got a younger guy out there who's, who's going out and getting the job done consistently and also appears to be indestructible. I probably just <laughs> jinxed him, but he took some hard hits out there in training camp and just bounced back up every time. So uh, that definitely factors in. Listen. I, 
as long as Kevin Bowen's not calling me indestructible, we're safe, right? <laughs> I mean, Kevin, I knocked on wood for you, George. Though, yeah, I was going to say, you know, I. But George, again, that that go to me, and I'm not by any stretch. Listen, there is the position and the 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 organization that signed their most recent paycheck would be probably the only two things that that one would confuse Kenyon Drake and Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I get it, right? But the fact that you can go out, take a flyer on a veteran running back that has over 3,000 yards rushing in his career or whatever it might be, give him a look and then decide, yeah, you know what, we're pretty comfortable with this room and then move along and just end of experiment. But to me, it shows how fungible that position can be. And that's why I just feel like with Jonathan Taylor – you have to be very careful as to how much you are investing in it. And in particular, because if you get to a certain point where you are then financially investing a percentage of your cap, you're doing so with a player that you don't want to actually be taking away reps or focus from what you are really trying to do, which is simply develop your quarterback. And I get that a running back as a weapon is there to help. the. I get all that. But I just feel, George, and I don't know that you and I have talked about this. I've talked about it with other people, but I want your opinion on it. I just feel like the biggest detriment for Jonathan Taylor in trying to get paid has nothing to do with Jonathan Taylor, but rather being the unfortunate circumstance of now everything has focused to the development of Anthony Richardson and the running back just is not important in that regard. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it. I mean, everything in this building right now is about number five. Uh, and it will be for the foreseeable future, uh, trying to get him where he needs to be and, and do everything you can in your power. Certainly there's an argument that having Jonathan Taylor back there with him helps on the field, uh, but the market for running backs is terrible right now. I mean, you just look around. Nobody signed a long-term deal this offseason. The two guys who got franchise tagged end up signing for just a little bit more than a franchise tag on one-year deals. Uh, the free agents that were out there signed one-year deals that were heavily incentivated. Like you talked about with Kenyon Drake, I mean, it shows where the running back position is right now. You don't do that at, at many other positions where you bring in a guy who has a legitimate resume in the league and it's just a flyer and you're just going to see how it works out and it's okay if, if he walks away. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the state of the running back position right now. And when you add that into the, the priorities within the building in Indianapolis right now, yeah, it's not a good mix. George, whenever I'm looking at different situations whether it's my daily life or if it is a sports talk topic that we're discussing about i like to try to look at it with every different scenario in mind is there a legitimacy to the idea that he might still be on pup after tomorrow and if there is how does that change everything in your mind we asked kevin bowen this on friday and he had said like he's not giving as much consideration to the idea that he would still be on pup just because of like where this whole thing is at. And that would be a kind of a bombshell if he is, if it's a legitimate injury and he's going to miss the first four games of the season, how does this turn if he still is on pup after tomorrow's deadline? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I don't discount anything. I mean, I've been around this team the last couple of years. I, I definitely don't discount any possibility. I think anything can and, and usually will happen around this franchise. So, I mean, I, I saw a quarterback retiring in the third quarter of a preseason game. So a running back staying on pup doesn't seem to be quite as shocking an outcome to me. Uh, but I do think it, it it changes a lot of the math for him. You know, the team, I don't know, maybe they're already moving on or maybe they're already looking at Zach Moss or Deion Jackson as being the guy week one. Because honestly, even if, it, even if he's here 
and he's activated tomorrow. Is there enough time? He hasn't done anything on a football field since December. Is there enough time to get him ready to start September 10th against Jacksonville? I don't know. You know, and so if he's on pup, I don't know how much it changes the team's plan going forward. But for him, that means you're out four games. If you're hoping that, that the deadline that the Colts gave is, is a fake one, the real trade deadline is in October. You know, you're cutting half of that time off that you won't even be on the field. I, it's tough, I think, from his standpoint. If he's still here, I think for a lot of reasons, it's in his best interest to be on the active roster. You know, George, I'm always curious about this. If you're doing a, like we're doing a radio show in Indianapolis, we're talking about the Colts. If you had to say, George, what what NFL franchise? I've asked this before to people, but what NFL franchise would you say here in Indianapolis? Just when you're talking to other writers, when you're listening to sports radio, whatever it might be, what franchise do we talk or hear the least about in the NFL? Maybe the Cardinals. I was going to say probably Arizona, right? Yeah, and you know Kyler Murray was an exciting young player, and you know there, there was, and, and of course you had the the drama with Hopkins, who, who now is gone. But so that said, do you get the feeling that the Colts were trending in the direction, and maybe even are still the Arizona Cardinals of other markets? Like absolutely, are our sports talk guys in you know in Oakland that are talking about the NFL ever talking about the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> I, it, it's weird because it went from being an epicenter franchise and that's got to drive Jim Mercer crazy right oh absolutely yeah i don't think there's any doubt about that i think there's two things that that get talked about outside of Indy right now Jonathan Taylor obviously and that's the dominant one and Anthony Richardson and other than that you know i don't know that anything else is a blip on the radar right now Probably Jim Mercer gets discussed too, right? I mean, yeah, it, like if you're doing a sports talk show in Oakland, aren't you like, okay, taking a look around the NFL, you got the AFC South, Trevor Lawrence is a good player, Houston and Tennessee, I don't know anything about them, and the Colts have John Mellencamp playing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty much it, right? You're like, <laughs> but, the but, Colts are also there. But Richardson, yeah, exactly. Richardson, I, I would think – I do think there's going to be a lot of intrigue about him after the first month of the year because I think he's going to show flashes, George. But at the same time, you know, I think he's going to show more flashes than even Justin Fields did early in his career. Like I think he just has, but the touch is the big thing, right? I mean, how much is how much are teams going to force him to throw? Because at this point, that's a big question mark. I think buckle up. It's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. But, you know, one thing I think about him that, that doesn't get talked about as much as, as maybe it should, he's extremely mature for a 21-year-old. And I think that helps a lot here. When they talk about his poise in the pocket and, you know, how calm he is out there running the team, a lot of that comes from this is, this is a guy who kind of had to raise his younger brother. He's been through a lot, you know, and I think it shows. I think he's he is a very old soul uh, for a rookie. And, and I think that – at this position, that that could be good. Man, he does. I'm telling you, his pocket presence is impressive. I mean, I, I you know, it's 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 interesting, George. I, I mentioned it last week. I, Manning early in his career. I mean, people knocked all the time. You know, the happy feet and all of that. That was probably the last thing to come to Manning. Was just I think he had it, but the 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 optics of pocket presence with Peyton Manning was late to develop, and that is one thing that I think Richardson shows already is just that feel you know like earlier I, Todd Meyer came in here to get on me because he said Jake you don't have a clock in your head you got to rely on Eddie Garrison for the clock when you're doing radio uh, Anthony Richardson appears to have a clock in his head he does 
It's funny because we talk about inexperience. He doesn't look like a guy with just 13 starts when he's back there. In the totally. Pocket. I'll say that. He looks extremely advanced in that area. And that's why when I look at him on, on the whole, when you look at his obvious athletic skill, no one's going to question his ability. When you look at his work ethic, his intelligence, his maturity, I think it's more likely than not that he's going to work out. I mean, it, it just seems like a guy with that kind of makeup it's hard to imagine him not eventually working out, but it's going to be a roller coaster along the way. If Zach Moss is medically cleared for week one, is he the lion's share owner of these carries if they go by committee in your mind? I think so. And it's a big if. You know, we'll see where he's at. I know they're hopeful that they'll be able to get him to go. And, but I think that's the way things were, were setting up before the broken arm. And, you know, he finished the year last year pretty well. He probably deserves that role. HaroldBolton.com is where you can read George's work, and it's going to be a busy next 24 hours for him in terms of all of the news with the Colts, including keeping an eye on the Jonathan Taylor situation. George, pleasure as always. Look forward to talking to you again, all right? No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. By the way, he is wrong about one thing. It's Dive Mountain Dew is better than Mountain Dew Zero. But you know what's interesting is if you go to um, – Jimmy, have you been to Europe, did you say? Yes. When you were there, did you – are you a, are you a Coke or Diet Coke or Pepsi or Diet Pepsi guy? Are you a Diet Soda or regular soda guy? At this point, it was a shift about a year ago. Coke Zero is my go-to. Okay. Then you would do well in Europe because when was the last time you were in Europe? 2017. I mean, I can't speak for all of Europe. Sure. But what I noticed in the... And I've only been there twice. But Diet Coke, like, non-existent. Coke Zero everywhere. Really? Yeah. In particular, like when I was in Barcelona, that's all they had was Coke Zero. Like I don't even know if they had regular Coke. Everything was Coke Zero, and no Diet Coke at all. Coke Zero, I believe they call it. Um, and the same in Paris, Coke Zero everywhere. So, I, so then I just naturally assume I have no idea if this is correct. I just naturally assume Europeans are more healthy, and so just because I, I it's a fair assumption they don't use they as walk many of everywhere the aggressive preservatives that we exactly, do a lot of our right? food the, the yes. yeah. so so based on that I just thought to myself Coke zero more healthy I have no idea if that's true or not but but advantage you uh, so Mountain Dew zero probably more healthy than the, than the diet Mountain Dew but they're if they're both non-caloric then I'm wondering what the difference is other than one of them's got to be a bunch of fake stuff but I think they're both Combined with all fake stuff, right? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, we have a Diet Coke and Coke sector of our fridge. My wife's a big Diet Coke drinker. I really like Coke Zero. And it's not that I don't like the taste of Diet Coke. Like, I'll drink it. She hates the taste of Coke Zero, like by comparison. Really? She'd much rather have Diet Coke than Coke Zero. Are you talking Coke, Coke Zero or Coke Zero Sugar? There's a difference. I'm buying the red can that has black lettering that okay, says Coke so you, Zero. All right, you so got the I Coke can't. Zero then. That, that has sugar in it, so you're not no, no, doing no, no, that. No, 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 no. Zero calories, zero sugar, there's nothing then that would in be That would be zero sugar. I worry that you're confusing Eddie, branding no, there's, items. There's two different Coke Zeros. There's Coke Zero Sugar and Coke Zero. Okay, all I know is the way they're marketing well, the two the products the now is I even have to look. General Coke with sugar in it still has the white or the silver lettering on the can. Red can, silver lettering. The difference when you know it's a zero sugar soda for Coke 
is it's red can black lettering. That is what we have. Which in our one fridge. is the pumpkin so spice latte? That's the one that's Eddie zero drinks. Sugar. Okay, so I'm drinking Coke Zero. So there's Coke Zero and Coke Zero sugar. I don't believe that. I think he's. Incorrect. I believe so. Hold on, I gotta double check. No, this. I think there I, was I, at one point Coke Zero sugar when they first I, launched. I, I'm with you, Jimmy. Then they I, rebranded, and now I, it's just Coke Zero. I think Eddie's out there. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, think, that's the think, second craziest thing I've I heard today. Eddie's confused. How about this though? I prefer Diet Coke to Diet Pepsi, but I prefer Pepsi to Coke. Really. How about that? So, time? no, they rebranded from Coke Zero Correct. to Coke Correct. Zero Sugar, so that's, yes. what it, that's yep. why it's tripping yep. me up. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> they, only, they only read it into your ear 5,000 times the last three NCAA tournaments. Listen, Eddie, we're going to need you to do a little more preparation best on Coke spontaneous ever? rants, okay? Come on. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, well, th- that's the kind of fun conversation we're going to continue for the next 30 minutes. You don't remember Jim Nance struggling with it? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey fam. I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. I'm going to offer a confession that I don't know that I've ever publicly stated. The beginning of that song, I was in seventh grade when that song came out. This song, I should say. You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi. I recall we had a school, some sort of a retreat at Som Park, which then I think was called Northeast Way. And we were all on the swings, and everybody was singing that song. And I was, I'm 50 now. I was probably 48 and a half when I, for the very first time, realized. Now, Eddie, can you do me a favor? Play the open of that song again. And Jimmy, I want you to tell me the lyrics to it. I've had the, I had, hold on, sorry. Do it one more time. Here we go. Go ahead. Okay. What is he saying there? I would say he's saying shout through the heart and you're to blame would be what Eddie? I would say. I know the answer to this, so go ahead. Darwin, you give love a bad name. I thought forever it was shock to the heart and you're to blame. I uh, See, I always heard it as shot through the heart. It is shot. That That is, you are correct. The lyric is shot through the heart and you're to blame. That makes more sense. And I always thought forever... I don't know if I just was forecasting my own existence of looking up and seeing two cardiac paddles standing over me, but I thought forever it was shock to the heart. And every time I hear it to this day, I think to myself, shock to the heart, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's wrong. And when I, literally the day that I saw the lyrics for the first time, it literally was actually a shot through the heart because I'm like, (laughs) holy cow, I've had this wrong forever. Absolutely forever I've had it wrong. I'll carry down memory lane here with you on it. Um, Everybody has at least from my generation and then look further back than that 
a certain show that like meant a lot to you that was on cable TV. I know it's not as much now with streaming and everything, but I'm thinking Seinfeld for some people, Friends for some people. For me, it was How I Met Your Mother. That was the okay. big love sitcom That was a Doogie show. Hauser was in that, It right? was, indeed. Neil Patrick Harris, and he's who I'm referencing here. The first time that song of like knowledge of it, I might have heard it before. Oh, yes. It's the is, limousine. It's the limousine. Season the one limousine. of How I Met Your Mother. It's on Barney's Get Psyched Mix, and that's what he's playing the whole episode, is to get people pumped up is... What, what is he singing along with it is my question. Is Go he back and right watch it. Saying it wrong? By the way, I just got this tweet. I'd like to know um, one of you guys can... There's a lot going on in this tweet. You ready? Jake, I just met your dad while I was looking for my cat. I started showing him old baseball photos and he said he was your dad. I said I was listening right now and he said, oh yeah, I forgot he's on the radio right now. Um... Actually, he didn't. I, I I embellished the part about my dad saying he forgot I was on the radio. Just said your dad said, "Oh yeah, he's on right now." Uh, I don't know what to make of this. I was looking for my cat. I met your dad and started showing him old baseball photos. Now, how did they go from one to the next? There, you think? How do you go from looking for your cat to showing? <laughs> how baseball do you go photos? from looking for your cat to meeting my dad? The only logical path would be. Your I don't know if this is possible. Your dad helped find the cat, and perhaps there was a. Oh, hey, by the way, you want to come in and celebrate the okay. return of the cat? Oh, by the way, check out the baseball dad. card. <laughs> There's a lot going on here, isn't there? Eddie is equally intrigued. Here, here's how I'd like to break this down as possible, okay. okay? Man loses cat. Fact one. Man begins looking for cat. As one does. Perhaps going to the na- around the neighborhood, stopping people. Have you seen cat? Yes. Man stops another man to ask if you've seen his cat. And my dad is the man that he's he's asking for assistance in helping find the cat. Now, my only the only thing I draw now to the baseball photos is perhaps my dad said, "Well, what's the cat's name?" And then maybe the guy said, "Oh, Wrigley or or you know my dog's name is judge jeter you know why exactly right so then and i know this is this will be stunning to you then perhaps my dad segued thought from the primary focus which was cats and then got sidebarred into baseball oh your cat's name is wrigley you must be a cubs fan we too are cubs fans Oh, let me show you a photo of the last time I went to a Cubs game. And then, but now we get to the other question, Eddie, which is that. How then does he determine and find out that that's my dad? I've never met your father, but I think we're also, at least I'm learning, you've probably always known this, that if he's as likely as you are to go sidebar to sidebar, then it's genetic. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. I was going to say then possibly Jake's in this set photo. The, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now, the tree might be where the cat is, which is a whole different yeah. element of this, but here's my other question. Was the cat found also? Well, that, it doesn't say. And another interesting question in all of this, I said I was listening right now. So does this mean, is the guy looking for his cat? or listening to the show. That's yes. what I'd like to know. Yes. And I mean, I'm very, very impressed, intrigued, and flattered. Is the search the, the, still ongoing, and are I, they listening still right now? Question. Is the show still going? Is he now <laughs> also, a part of the show, literally, also, while he's hunting for this if, cat? If, get a shout out. if we knew the cat's name, I could actually call the kitty here on the air, right? Do your part. That's nice of you. <laughs> I mean... Were they looking at old baseball pictures before they found the cat? I don't know. We don't know. Where, hey, Jake, was the fire department nearby looking for the cat as well? I, also a good question. I 
There's a lot going on in that tweet that I'd like to know about. All I'm praying for is that the baseball photos were on mobile device. To- like not like yes. he ran to his house like Correct. hey, I need to go get the photos now, okay. out of a leads to another, album. Leads to another question. Ah, here we go, Perry Mason. Is it possible that man looking for cat wants to show picture of cat to person that he meets on the street? Hey, I'm looking for my cat. Have you seen him? opens up phone to show cat slides past a baseball photo my dad sees it oh wow you're a baseball fan too well let's talk about baseball while your cat is off having a smoke break somewhere else with other cats in the neighborhood right that is also a plausible scenario i would say it's very often as you're trying to pull up the right photo and then it's like oh yeah here's a random screenshot of a box score from six weeks ago i took here's the last thing and then i will leave it be i promise The, the the fascinating thing here is that the person has yet to now reply with an update on what's going on. So does that mean that they're still looking for the cat? Or does that mean the cat was found and now he's he's rejoicing with the cat and turned off the show and doesn't know that we're talking about it? Or is he in conversation with your dad? Still? <laughs> that also could be a lengthy procedure, yeah. let me tell you. Now, the only thing I would... I would, I would uh, ask of this person if for whatever reason i hope this conversation is not taking place inside my parents house for the sake of this individual because my parents thermostat 92 degrees man and did you see by the way uh, i was looking at the forecast have you seen the forecast for the first week in september i've not it's supposed to be on, on on september like like a week from today yeah it's supposed to be 107 degrees in indianapolis now first off yeah. how do they come up with the number 107 Secondly, when's the last time it was 107 in September in Indianapolis? Let me get my but farmer's I, almond. Are you quick. trying to ask how they came up with the number 107 uh, or the degrees? It's always the model. It's always the model. It's the model. Now, see, it's changed now. I, I kid you not. I kid you not. Earlier today, I should have. What are you, 104? Now it's, they've got a, it's down to 96. I kid you not. Earlier, I looked at my phone. Did anybody else notice this? And it predicted earlier this morning for next tuesday it had a prediction of a high of 107 is there any chance that that visual of 107 came to you during your hallucinations of michigan and iu is that no but i'm telling you right now indiana's gonna be what's that or was it when you were with indycar last weekend was it there no that's also a good question because i looked because i'm like wait a minute i could see it being 107 in st louis yeah maybe it was still stuck on st louis but it showed on my phone as indianapolis i'm just telling you now let me offer this, speaking of the road, and I promise we will flush out the show by talking sports later, but if anybody for any reason is going to the St. Louis area in the next week or so, no issue going there, but coming back, I'm not kidding you when I tell you, near Effingham and near Terre Haute, get on I-40 and parallel I-70. I sat yesterday coming back from St. Louis, right when we got to, I'm cruising along, everything's fine. We get to Effingham. And there was a construction zone that had, a, and there's always that one idiot that screws it up for everybody, right? Yep. So we're bottlenecking into one lane, but there had been an accident, and it was the point where I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where literally you're you're stopping the car and people are getting out and like walking around and talking to truckers to find out what's going on, and, and <laughs> because we didn't move for almost forty five minutes, so then I realized I. I on the right-hand shoulder, a semi decided that he's going to be the guy that's going to use the shoulder and drive, right? So he's not blocking the shoulder. Well, then a flatbed wrecker was trying to get mm-hmm. it. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. If So there are cars that have had an accident, obviously, 
and they need to get those cars out of there to open things back up again, but they can't because the wrecker is trapped behind. So now we're playing truck Tetris for like 20 minutes. One trucker gets out and he's is trying to Is that your phone over there? It's going, not mine. I kept looking down. What's that? Is your phone going crazy? I keep hearing like a vibration. Is this a cat update? That's it's, all I'm It might be for. the cat update. Let's see. <laughs> By the way, somebody sent me. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Daniel Tao. What, what does this say right here? Indianapolis, Wednesday. The forecast for Wednesday. What does that say? And that is my phone going crazy. It says 107 degrees for Wednesday. Okay, so I'm not I'm not hallucinating here. How did they come up with 107? But the anyway, model. if you're if you're if you're going to be coming from the west on I-70, be very conscientious of the fact that the construction is terrible. Thankfully, the accident was not a serious one. It didn't look like anybody was seriously hurt because then you do feel bad when yeah. you're like, you know what I mean? You're like, man, this is so inconvenient. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, it could be much worse for someone else. I'm also fascinated by what would have to happen with the forecast or analytical model or whatever it is that would lead it to a 12-degree drop in that 10-day forecast. Totally. And how do they come up with 107? Like, that's – that. I mean – somebody had to formulate something to say like well 107 degrees what in indianapolis 107 somebody in the youtube chat says global warming plus climate change times seven minus glacier melt (laughs) multiplied in squared equals 107 degrees uh somebody else says jake it was a glitch from apple fact jake i also saw 107 earlier today thank you i'm i'm not hallucinating Jake, that somehow this cat situation of your dad makes more sense than IU winning at the big house. I'm telling you, October 14th, Indiana stuns the world. That, that, that is my one football prediction for this year. Indiana goes up to Michigan, shocks the world, throws the college football playoff into a total tizzy. Do we just need to get your dad on the show to you know put to bed this story so we can get all the details of it? <laughs> By the way, I'm buying like sure. a massive... I don't know. I love cookie cakes, so I'm being selfish here. I'm buying like a massive cookie cake or something for the studio if that happens. When that happens, excuse me, when IU upsets Michigan. Because it's going to be a celebration on that Monday if it is indeed an IU win. If they win, I can just simply assure you this. If Indiana, not, not if, when, when Indiana goes October 14th to Michigan and upsets Michigan in the big house. That conversation with Don Monday is going to be great. You will never hear the end of it from here, ever. There have been a few times where I have made predictions that like people were like, oh my gosh, and they came true. One, I had a streak of like three years in a row during the Super Bowl where I would just send a tweet that's saying like, it's going to be heads, team is going to call for tails, and then they're going to de- the, the winning team is going to defer, you know, whatever. I had like a streak of three in a row on those it, to the point where I was so good at it, pe- people quit marveling over it because it became so routine. But with this, when Indiana beats Michigan and stuns the college football world, and all of a sudden, like, the, when does the first college football playoff ranking come out? Probably right around that time. Let me so, double check the official one for you. So but. Michigan's going to start out, Michigan's going to be undefeated, and they're going to be one or two, right? Indiana's going to stun the world, and then somebody like Oregon State is going to sneak in because they're unbeaten, and Michigan got knocked out, and so now Oregon State like is going to... Remember when the very first ever college football, if I'm not mistaken... Halloween, by the way. Okay, so not yet. The very first ever college football ranking thing, if I'm not mistaken, the number one ranked team was Mississippi State. You remember that with Dak Prescott? 
Mississippi State was number one, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, Mississippi State's number one in the college football rankings, and they lost like a week later, and then they ended up losing like two of their next four games. I vaguely do remember that now that you put it back into context. That's what, Chris Hagan, I guarantee you, remembers it. He probably has it framed. <laughs> he, ha- he has Lee the, Corso, the article Ohio framed. State style? Yes. He absolutely has it framed. <laughs> Should we should we get my dad on the phone to find out what's going on with the cat situation? <laughs> That's perfectly up to you. Hey Jake, I saw 107 as well. Thank you. Everybody's you guys were laughing at me. People are absolutely verifying oh, 107. Fisher's degrees. Fisher's 108 uh, per really? tweet that we just got in. Well. I'm telling. Is that for a, Mark a, Bilger? Bilger, that, I'm sorry, Mark. I don't mean to butcher your last name, but that's who tweeted it. He was it. a great quarterback for the Rams. Uh, by the way, um, we will find out. So we, we have gotten to the bottom of the 107 degree situation. That I'm not crazy, but we need to find out about the cat. I'm very worried about the cat. I, I'm, I have a cat now. I know what it, the stress of losing a cat, and and then uh, also the stress of baseball photos with my dad. So you know, two things for this poor fella. We'll find out and get to the bottom of all of it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey, fam. I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Now, my dad hasn't responded, so now I'm concerned that... What's his hit rate on replies? <laughs> well, actually, and this is funny, I think most people's parents, so I'm not trying to call out my parents on this, my, most people's dads do this. I, I, I've talked to several people about this. My dad signs his text, dad. You know what I mean? Like, I get a text from him, and then at the bottom, he... And, and, Listen, I'm I'm totally, totally, totally fortunate to have both my parents here close by and in great health and everything else. So I'm very appreciative of it. Um, but it is funny that you know he'll he'll sit now. Here's the cat guy. Can can Ron call in? Can we get Ron? Why don't you call in? He said he's still listening. I'd like to know. Maybe Ron should call in at two three nine ten seventy, and he can give us an update on what on this story with the cat. And my dad and baseball photos. Should we give bets first just so we have all the time in the world for for Ron? Sure. Of Uh, course. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, all MLB action. We're going to lay one and a half. Are we wagering on whether or not Ron's found the cat? We are going to say yes, they've found the cat, by the way. Uh, Mariners minus one and a half on the run line over the Athletics. Give me the Dodgers on the money line over the Arizona Diamondbacks. And to close things out, I'll take the Cincinnati Reds on the money line over the San Francisco Giants. Gosh darn it. I actually like that one. Thank you. Giants playing uh, Sunday Night Baseball last night. Usually you fade the team coming off Sunday Night Baseball, especially if they win. Fade? Mm -hmm. Okay. Go against. But I think you knew that. Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Do we 109 have with it, just to make everybody feel better. 
Ron joins us. Ron, what's up? Do we have Ron? He was there. Hello. Ron, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. So, I, I, can, I can give you guys an update on this. Okay, so go, go ahead, Ron. All right. So my cat is kind of an indoor-outdoor cat, it, but I put like an air, air pod on his collar. Right. Okay. And the AirPod, the AirPod, and so I kind of know where in the neighborhood he goes. Like it's a separate neighbor, the neighborhood north, where your dad lives, and where I live. And so I followed, but the AirPod wasn't updating. So I followed to his last location, and I stopped my car there, and I saw this gentleman walking on the road, and I stopped him, asked if he had seen the cat, and he said yes. He sees it a lot. He's pet the cat. Um, so we just started chatting a little bit. And I happened to have um, some baseball photos in my car that I picked up at a garage sale. Okay. And your dad was wearing a Cubs hat. And I figured, hey, maybe he'd be interested to see these photos. Um, they're like from 1960, like eight by 10 photos, Babe Ruth, Lee Garrett. So I started flipping through the photos. Well, now, th- these wouldn't have been photos of Babe Ruth in 1960. That would have been, you know, <laughs> troublesome, right? <laughs> photos, they were, these are like reprint, reprint. photos. Right, no, I, I got you. Now, <clears throat> now, just out of curiosity, is your cat uh, black? Is it a black he cat? Black. Yeah, yeah, my mo- my mom is a fan of that cat because he he hangs around from time to time, uh, and my parents enjoy the cat. So that's so you've got a very nice cat, Ron, as I understand. Now, was my dad nice, and did you guys enjoy the conversation together? Yeah, very nice. Okay. So you know, then he then you know he said, "Well, my son would be interested in that. He likes sports." That he's Jay Query. He's on the radio. Now, and I was like, "Well, I'm listening to him right now as I'm driving around looking for my cat." Did you find the? <laughs> did you find the cat by just out of curiosity? I have not. No, I've not. Oh. Found the cat. I've been too busy listening to the, the show. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, I, I knew it. We distracted the search. Ron. I, I mean, now, yeah. Did, I mean, are I'm you worried about the cat? I mean, there's a I, major I, street I near there. Why won't I know? Why won't the AirPod update? Is my question. Well, Why the AirPod probably has a battery life on it, Ron. Uh, just out of curiosity, what's the kitty's name? I'm going to let my mom know so that, like, if it comes to the backyard, my mom can, you, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cat's name's Charlie, uh, and I gave your dad my number, so okay. he said he's, he'll give me a call. So very very helpful situation. You know, okay. you couldn't ask for a better better run and looking for your cat if you're actually not going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Ron, I wish you the best of luck. We hope Charlie's okay, and uh, if nothing else, I hope he's got decent music he's listening to on the AirPod. But we maybe Charlie's listening to the program as well. Ron, I appreciate the update. So there we go. You just never know, right? We distracted from the surge. I feel like I, I, I feel like that's on us now. I, honestly, like Charlie's got to be like. Come on, man. Also, they weren't photos on the phone. How about that? Yeah. They were they were real photos, physical photos. Didn't have to run into the house like I thought, but hey, what a weird twist and turn of a story that well, was. The, 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 the and fo- the cat's still not found. The 1960 photo of Babe Ruth to me was concerning, right? <laughs> yeah. Reprint. Reprint most <laughs> I, definitely. I should hope, right? <laughs>
By the way, did you watch any of the Little League World Series? I guess that ended on a walk-off homer. I did not. I know Eddie did, but I did not consume much of it. I did, indeed, but I didn't get to catch the championship last night, unfortunately. Ended on a walk-off homer. I know, I saw that. So you could do like I did on Jeopardy now, and if you're watching it on replay with somebody, you can predict that and win a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I get You know it. what I mean? Yeah. I, now, I will say this. If you are wagering on... Surely, you can't. surely I mean, you cannot you, wager you on the You can't from the official series, right? sports books. I'm sure there is far offshore betting sites where that type of chaos is available, but not here. Also, switch to air tags. Or just a something you can stick on there. I feel like unless you have the AirPods secure, that could easily fall off. And then yeah, what happens I when? Mean, or get a Bluetooth collar. That'd work too. Now the the cat because I I I adopted a cat in March and he's great. And my mom was telling me when I was at my parents' house, she's like, "Oh, Boo, that's the name of the cat that I adopted." Um, she's like, "Boo looks like the little cat that comes around and hangs out in our backyard." Now. My understanding is Charlie, the cat that is hanging out in my parents' backyard, is a really sweet cat, but occasionally does leave cigarette butts, and that's yeah. a bit of an issue. Yeah, that's something right? where you're thinking about Not a fan reporting that. that to somebody, perhaps. <laughs> that's why he's sneaking out. That's why Charlie. <laughs> that's why Charlie's dad, glad that my dad's running interference. <laughs> uh, John's up next. Big day tomorrow. Again, Colts uh, roster deadline. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. John's up next. We'll see you.